Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, it was only last week, Boxer, that we spoke about how the coronavirus would affect the competition moving forward and the fact that the NRL, the AFL and the A-League were the last competitions moving forward basically around the world and the NRL seemed resilient and as though they were going to push on after the announcement on Saturday that the AFL would be suspended. But now with uh, some changes in government and uh, border patrol, etc., the NRL season has been suspended after two rounds. Yeah. Well, we knew it was... I guess we, we always thought it was going to happen at some point in time, but probably a little bit quicker than what I expected. But when you look at the rate of infection, I guess it's a no-brainer. Um, I, think, I think the biggest the, the biggest one was Queensland shutting their border. Uh, that then becomes an issue to travel and go state to state. So I guess the question is, um, do we resume sooner rather than later and position teams into conferences, take into account uh, movement and border control, or do we wait until the virus sort of, I guess, plateaus out and the rate of infection goes down? You know, that could be two weeks, that could be one month, that could be six months, that could be two years. Who knows? Um so, again, it's just one of those ones that we, we're we just dealing with the here and now and things change. And, you know, if you listen to last week's podcast, a whole heap of things have changed since then. So uh, a sad day for, for rugby league. And as a fan, it's always, you know, I guess difficult to see the sport that you love not be on TV anymore, especially during times like this when people are getting laid off and, going through financial hardship and there's a whole heap of things going on. People are sick. People are worried about getting sick. Uh, certainly would have made it easier to stay in four days of the week with footy on TV, but I guess the players' health has got to come to the forefront as well, along with support staff. Um, and the bigger picture is that, I guess, as globally, but more closer to home, you know, within our state and country, we've got to work out a way to, to best attack this and, and get through it with as minimal amount of casualties as we possibly can yeah well as you said up until late yesterday the nrl were pushing forward and then once that border patrol thing came in they had a pushback of a meeting and a phone hookup in the afternoon they were speaking about seeking an exemption to still be able to charter in and out of queensland privately even though the borders being closed basically putting forward that they're not having you know much of an effect or interaction coming in and out but with how things have rapidly developed over the last week. As you've said, since we spoke last week, Peter Volandis in the NRL and their biosecurity expert basically said at this point in time it is to the detriment of the health of the players, so the competition did have to stop. They had to make the decision also because it was the last chance before the lockdown in New Zealand for the Warriors to go home, who I think everybody would agree we all owe uh, you know, a lot of thanks and a massive round of applause to for sticking in for the two weeks. Unfortunately, the competition has stopped, but for them they were willing to go the long hauling kind of deal uh, with the hardship of being away and the circumstances of not being able to go home but 
um, for them. A well-deserved trip home before things, unfortunately, have been locked down. And uh, There's been a little more information today, but not a whole lot more. But as of now, the NRL offices, the head offices, and I think everything there is closed till May 1st. I think they've said most people, bar a skeleton crew on annual leave and all sorts of bits and pieces, I think across the NRL total, clubs, NRL staff, it's almost up to 80% of people. The AFL in a similar boat. As far as the circumstances, some people, annual leave, some will be able to run into negative annual leave until they're back. Some will have leave without pay. Um, it's, you know, it just depends on club to club, job to job, situation to situation. And in other cases, some people just won't have a job at the end of this, unfortunately, which is... Yeah, look, I've worked at two NRL clubs, the Panthers, uh, for 10 years, and then now the West Tigers for the last three years. And, uh, yeah, there's some people who... Um, we both know and respect and have good relationships with that uh, you know even up to two weeks ago we're standing around and winning games and playing SG ball games and training three days a week and they're fully into their job and then two weeks later they're without a job um, without pay so uh, it's, it's a terribly difficult situation for everybody um, what, I, what I would probably encourage is that that everyone who is entitled to some sort of government payment, you go and get it. Um, because there's too many people, particularly within rugby league and particularly within, um, you know, the demographics, I guess, that we, we knock around in, that are too proud to go and put their hand out in times of need. And they'd rather, you know, bear the brunt of, um, you know, what are the, whatever the circumstances are without sort of having to put their hand out and, and seek help despite, you know, what impact that will have on them, their mental health um, and their families, I guess. So for anyone that's that's worked at an NRL club or, f- for that matter, in the wider community, if you've worked hard uh, and you've, you're now without a job or you're struggling um, or you've been laid off because of, you know, this uh, this crisis, go and, go and get the money that you deserve. Um, and that you've you've worked hard. Look, that's why we pay tax. And well, yeah, that's the know, main I know, thing. I know it? that a lot of people sort of complain about paying tax, but you know, this, these are the times where you can see the benefit in why we do. So make sure you go and claim what you're entitled to, because um, you know, I guess we're both fortunate in that we're in government jobs or jobs that are yeah essential service. Um, yeah, essential services. So. Um, yeah, I'm at risk of being laid off um, because I'm on a I'm on a temporary teaching contract. I'm on a, I'm not a permanent at my school, uh, so I'm at a, a slight risk of being laid off. So, and and I know like if if I got laid off, like I'd have no choice to, than to go and, and claim whatever benefit I possibly could. Um, I know that my coaching payment that I'm due from the West Tigers, I've asked them to. Um, you know, divvy that up between whoever to, to pay people who are employed full-time there this year. Um, and, look, we don't get paid a whole heap of money, but it, it is a nice kicker once a year, the, the payment that I get for um, for coaching. But it seems really selfish to put my hand out for that later in the year when it can help people um, at this point in time. Right now, hopefully, if they can keep, you know, some of the guys that we're close to in a job for another week, um, hopefully... Uh, that the money sort of goes to where it's needed and can and help people that would otherwise not be without a job. So, yeah, I feel extremely lucky that I'm 
well, I'm even in a job. I can, I know that I'm going to work tomorrow. Uh, however long that that remains, look, I don't think as a as a temporary. And you know, I'm a year advisor and I run the rugby league program at my school. But that doesn't it doesn't really mean anything um, if the government says that temporary contracts are going to get cut and moved on. Then that's a reality for me. So. Um, I guess we've just got to deal with the here and now and, and keep rolling forward as a society, get around each other and, and go and claim what you're entitled to. That's why we work hard. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, my situation's a little more solid now than it has been, but over my eight years working uh, in government, working for the energy companies, well, we've gone through the sale. I've seen more than half the people I started with during my apprenticeship and work and get laid off. So it's kind of funny I've basically been under fire or ducking and dodging the whole time and on contracts and this is the only time I have been permanent and locked in and I, I probably won't really feel the brunt this time around but I've had plenty of mates that I know in the hospitality industry that own businesses gyms restaurants etc and everyone's feeling the pinch right now and mm. um, similar to what you said it's that's what it's there for that's the real purpose of us paying our taxes so people who do contribute to society who are feeling the pinch due to this pandemic can go and uh, get the help they need or get what they need to survive so fingers crossed as we said last week everyone out there is doing well uh, we've got a lot of inboxes and things that we haven't been able to reply to because it has been a busy week from people with small business ideas bits and pieces I promise we'll get back to everybody we're going to share all those we'll give them shout outs we'll give them plugs um, keep them coming through we'll keep supporting one another and hopefully within your own small businesses and your own communities and our pages we can all help one another and help those people in yeah. these small businesses, but that's another thing, I guess, as we move back more into the football side of things. Uh, the big thing here with all this stopping will be that the NRL can't fulfil their TV deal. There'll be a meeting within this week between Fox and Nine as to what happens moving forward or how things will be rearranged this year. Do they get any more money? Can they float them at all? It's been a lean few years for Fox who have lost probably a lot of customers, I guess, with a changing digital side of things and all these different platforms and subscriptions have lost a few other sports as well uh, I, I dare say a lot of people would be ringing up today now that there's basically no sport on Foxtel unfortunately as well for them probably looking to cancel or hold their subscription while nothing is on because let's be honest the only reason I've got Foxtel is for sport and for rugby league in particular um, yeah but I think that's a bit of a narrow view like if you want to be able to watch rugby league then you need that platform you know what I mean like for people to ring up and go, I'm, I'm cancelling because there's no footy on. Well, there, there hasn't been footy on for the last five months either. So, yeah, just hold on. Like, if I look at, and I understand if you're at complete financial hardship and you have to get rid of Foxtel, then that was more the point. Obviously, yeah. you get you get rid of Foxtel. But um, if you're in a position where you know your circumstances haven't changed too much and you're financially able to keep it, then keep it. Because if that platform falls over, then you know, the NRL has to go and then look for another broadcast deal with another uh, provider and then, you know, the money then goes out of the game. I think best case scenario here and what the NRL really need to look at is to try and fulfil this TV deal. They're not going to fulfil it right now because they can't. So uh, the, the best case scenario is that we play every game, even if we finish, I think December 20 is the cutoff for when grand final can be. It doesn't Like if, we, if grand final day was on December 20th, it wouldn't matter. We'd be able to start the next season straight away. Give the players their eight weeks off. Have a six or eight week preseason, and we we roll into next year. That, the preseason at the moment's ridiculously long anyway. So I, I don't think this is going to have a lingering um, impact on years to come, unless we can't fulfil the full 
broadcast deal this year. Uh, and, and look, I, I guess the real uh, the real question here is how long is this gap going to be, and what happens if the gap extends longer than what the NRL uh, are financially viable uh, in order to be able to pay the clubs and and keep the game and the competition afloat in its current format. And you know, when you when you talk about the fact that the NRL is running a business model where in essentially six weeks you're going to be out of money is just appalling. So, I mean, it's not a discussion about how we got to that point in time right now, but any any business that's operating that, you know, if they hit any hardship would fold in six weeks, like, you've got to look at the model that you're running. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're giving clubs $13 million, the cap's, you know, 9.8, so you're giving every club $3.2 million per year, and then today we're hearing that there's clubs that are almost going to fall over now. It's been three days since the last round ended. So how our clubs are operating and how the game's operated financially has just been so irresponsible and so short-sighted and narrow-minded and so much bound by the present and this win-now mentality uh, that it's it's going to cripple clubs. And I, I don't know where I stand on this because, you know, the, the clubs deserve to fall because they haven't managed their finances correctly. Um, you know... <laughs> If they fall over on their own, uh, through their own behaviour and their own actions, and I guess you could argue to some extent they've put themselves in this situation through their lack of, you know, putting money aside for a rainy day, um, or, you know, do you sort of think, well, this is a, a one in a once in a lifetime sort of situation, we should just cut them some slack? And oh, I think that's what's going to be the, the biggest issue for the NRL moving forward, apart from how long this gap's going to going to be between. You know, the end of round two until we can recommence is can the clubs come together and agree on a finance model through this period? Are we going to prop the weaker clubs up? Uh, you know, the more financially viable clubs going to take less money? I, I really don't know. And then you go back to the CBA and when this last broadcast deal was agreed, every club agreed that they just get $13 million. And, you know, how you spend that $13 million was up to you. Um, and, you know, you hear about every club that's got a new high-performance centre and they've got this and they've got that. But now, as soon as games aren't on and they're not going to get their monthly payment from the NRL, they're going to fall over. So I find it extraordinary. I, I, I honestly, I sit there and I watch NRL 360 and I watch, the, you know, the news programs and I just think, how, how the hell... Are we running a business model? How is anyone running a model where, as soon as a game's not played, we're almost financially dead? Well, this is, as some would call it, going to be a correction in rugby league that shouldn't have happened. And a big part of it was going back a couple of years when Todd Greenberg and John Grant were gunning for each other. And they were, John Grant was trying to get the favour of the clubs and Todd Greenberg was trying to get the favour of the players and they were trying to oust one another. They have both overinflated the club grant, which then he, you know, overestimated and trying to backflip on and ended up locking in at the 13 point mil, uh, 13 million. And then Todd Greenberg come in heavy on the salary cap, which is now up to 9.8. And with this correction, with this stoppage, with what's going to happen to the game, probably with the TV dollar and all these bits and pieces, uh, you know, there, there probably will be a bit of a correction. But I think the biggest correction, which has been coming for a long time, and I think it would have happened with Volandis gradually, but now it's going to happen a lot quicker is the NRL head office and how many people have asked about the integrity unit and all these 
bits and pieces and different jobs we don't know of and people that are there who are getting paid. And there's a lot of jobs for the boys, rightly or wrongly, uh, to anyone else's opinion. A lot of people employed by the game. Well, wrongly. There's, wrongly. Yeah, there's going to be... Uh, a lot this shouldn't of, have been. This shouldn't have been the way that the correction occurred. No, no way. But th- this is now going to be the start of a correction that I'm sure Valandis would have done over the next 12 to 18 months. But given this pandemic, given this situation, it's going to happen a lot quicker. And the first place it's going to hit is head office. There's going to be a lot of people that, if they can't justify their jobs or they're not needed, and like I said, a lot of people that are in jobs for the boys type roles, I can almost guarantee there'll be some money saved there. There'll be people there that are overpaid that are going to have to scale back as well. Uh, and the other side of it is the players wanted ownership and partnership in the game. So with that, unfortunately, not to their own fault because no one sees a situation like this or a circumstance like this coming, but uh, they're unfortunately going to have to bear some of the brunt as well with uh, the salary cap. And I'm, I don't know how much it's going to change next year, but I dare say a lot of these deals that we've looked at that have just blown up in the last five or so years are going to reduce it a little bit. So whether that be, I don't know, 20% or depending if we have a season or no season, there's going to be some sort of correction, I think, in all those areas. But more particular, the actual body that runs the NRL, the amount of people employed at head office and all these jobs and titles and bits and pieces, Mm. there's been some people that have had a free ride for a long time that I think it's coming to an end. Yeah, uh, but I mean, when when the game comes out and says we've got $100 million in the bank and then we've got a $50 million... I don't know where it is, a liability payment or something I read today. The NRL owns no assets, no. none, zero, duck egg. Uh, and, you know, the reason why they were pushing so hard, look, if the NRL had money in the bank, they would have been like the NBA, like the APL, and just gone bang, off, done, doesn't yeah. matter. Or like Financial the AFL. The stress. You know, like they're, they're relying on a $13 million payment per round mm. from the broadcasters. So... The fact of the matter is that our our blood supply or our oxygen is the football on TV. And at the moment, we're not breathing. Yeah. And the flip the side of that, as you said before, for the clubs, the clubs rely on that more than they rely on any other revenue. Some clubs don't have a leagues club or any other income and ticket sales and ground stuff and all merchandise, memberships. That stuff doesn't float most places. For, for some places, it's going to be detrimental. You've got Panthers who their group has five clubs and that's how they pay most of their staff and their boards and they're not getting any money through that way. Canterbury are big on leagues clubs. Canberra's got a couple of clubs, etc. So there are a few clubs that are going to feel the pinch in that way because not only are they not getting their TV money for the NRL side of things, but their business operations that back their clubs, their staffs, all their other bits and pieces have also been chopped out from under them now as well. But, but surely um, there's a buffer there. There's just... yeah. This I, is, mean, I mean, if you're running a business and you sort of go, okay, like... Let, let's have three or four months' worth of operational cash just stowed away to make sure that if anything happens, if we hit any sort of hardship, that we're there. And more importantly, the NRL was moving towards that rationalisation and sort of saying that, look, the next club that falls over is not going to be bailed out. If anything, every club should have been angling themselves to be in a better financial position than any other during this past sort of three or four years since. They've been getting this massive wedge. It's a handout from the NRL. It's but a handout. Literally, without the NRL's so grant, I, the players wouldn't get their wage. Like the clubs are literally relying on that grant to survive, bar a handful. And I'm not saying that they should uh, they should have stacked all of it away, but, but I mean, at least a mil, two mil 
a year away, and then you, so all of a sudden you've got eight, ten million dollars in the bank. Yeah, and that's and, and, and in the position right now, I don't know what the financial commitments are um, to, to the staff internally to within the building, but you know you could at least sort of say, look, we're viable for the next two or three months. Um, that's not to say that without footy you wouldn't lay off non-essential staff, which is what they've done, what most clubs have done. But at least you could then say, look, operationally we're we're okay. We've got money in the bank. Let's just ride this out for a month or two, and then we're obviously going to feel the pinch. We've got enough time to sort of sit back and react. But now at the moment, the club and the games, uh, the clubs and the game are all just scrambling to work out where, where the next dollar's coming from. Are we going to get this... Well, it's been confirmed today that they're going to get the, the broadcast payment on the 1st of April in full capacity. But after that, I'd imagine that the, the payments are going to stop. Uh, the NRL rushed and gave the clubs $450,000 last week. I, I just don't know. It's, it's, it's just not viable. You know, look, I'll, I'll call out Paul Crawley here because I did see a little bit of NRL 360 tonight. And, you know, his whole argument and, and part of his argument and rationalisation around, you know, this correction, the game needs a correction, was, you know, because players like Ash Taylor shouldn't be earning $1.2 million. That's players a like fault. Ben Hunt shouldn't, it, I just thought, firstly, who the fuck are you to, to comment on how much someone should be earning? How much are you earning? How much are you earning in comparison to, to Paul Kent and, and James Super and, and compared to Phil Rothfield and compared to, you know, Roy Masters and people in the media industry? No one knows that. Um, you, you could well be overpaid based on your performance. I just, I thought it, it was just poor. It, it, it really, it irked me at a time where, you know, look, I, I, the players are doing it tough and they're like everyone else. They're, they're on obviously more money than, than the majority of us. But there is a percentage there who aren't on on massive contracts. A big percentage um, aren't big contracts. The end, whatever their financial uh, their financial means are, they're going to have lifestyles around that. So whether you're a, a brickie earning fifty thousand a year or forty thousand a year, or whether you're you know Ash Taylor earning one point two, everyone's going to feel the pinch of this because everyone is expecting to get paid amount A, and that amount isn't going to be that amount at this point in time. For anyone, for the majority of us. So, I just thought to use play as an example. Like, what, why? Why does it has it suddenly become like the whole rationalisation of that argument is just ridiculous to say? Well, you know, at least this, this will sort out Ash Taylor and and Ben Hunt being paid whatever they get paid. Yeah, whether whether the salary cap is four million dollars or whether the salary cap is fifty million dollars, you're still going to have players that are overpaid yeah, based on their performance. The whole argument it's been happening since the start of rugby league. Yeah, the I argument. I thought it was such a moronic comment. And look, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, an Ash Taylor homer. Like I, I, I tend to agree that he, he doesn't perform up to his salary, which is you know an argument for when the games are on the field and you know when things are fine and and whatever. It's not an argument for the here and now, but I don't understand why he needed to be dragged into this. And the fact of the matter is that he's just gone through mental health battles and he's off field, off the field issues. Yet. You want to throw him at the forefront of your fucking stupid argument on a on a panel show when you know the country's going through hardship, and you you want to basically shit bag on two players. I just God, it, it irks me today. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's, whether it's just in the current climate, but 
I, I just thought it was really poor to, to bring anyone into it. You know, like if, if, if it was just a blanket statement saying, look, this is going to correct teams over paying for players, which I don't agree with anyway, I could cop that. But to, to individualise it and to point players out, like, to be, to be fair, Ben Hunt is an origin player. He's played for Australia. Uh, he's played two positions at rep level. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of other issues around the Dragons that, you know, uh, determine his performance on a week-to-week basis. I certainly think that Ben Hunt, um, it, it was really, really harsh, I think, to throw Ben Hunt in there. Ben Hunt cashed in in a, in a point in time when Haas were a, a wanted commodity and he got paid what he was what he was due. In the end, I mean, the, 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 these players have got paid what the clubs are willing to pay them. Yeah, and this so, goes back to the crux of the argument I was going to make. None of this is the players' fault. The main fault of this is the NRL and the clubs. The clubs... Oh, look, no, I, I, I disagree with that slightly. I think the players have pushed hard to get money and they've, they've, they've got salary that is obviously not sustainable. Yeah, now, I, I agree. Fault, like, it's not their fault in that, in that the, the game has folded and said, yeah, we're going to pay it. But I just think if you're going to be financial partners in the game, surely you need to have a better understanding of the model. And if you look at it and go, we're taking this percentage of the of the of the pie. Firstly, I mean, are we then pinching from grassroots and from you know everyone else? And and I guess the argument would probably be, we'll look at NRL head office with how many jobs they've got there. Like that argument goes really deeply. I think yeah. everyone has a. A sense of ownership in this. They don't even justify blame, their, their numbers. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, 90% of, of that argument. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're without complete blame, but like to blame someone because oh, he gets paid that much, well, fuckhead. Oh, just... The Titans paid him that much. The Dragons paid him that much. Players are worth what clubs are willing to pay. And the fact that they've mismanaged it that way and <sighs> spent that much money, or like you said, overstaffed or overspent on things and haven't banked any of the grant. The two biggest culprits in all of this, the players aren't without blame, but the two biggest culprits are the NRL and the clubs. The clubs yeah. clearly, like you said, spend way above their means. I mean, you get $13 million and 9.8 or so is for your players, and that's guaranteed by the TV deal in the NRL. If you can't operate off $3 million plus your own sponsorships and bits and pieces outside of that, you're fucking kidding yourself. Yeah. And then for the NRL's perspective, we all heard about it, the Future Fund. Gus has been a bit of a crisis merchant the last few days, and been pretty grim on a lot of things, and I, I wouldn't be as negative about everything as he's been, but the one thing I will agree on is they had that fund, they built it up for a few years, and then they liquidated it a couple of years back and took the money out of it. To do w- what with it, who fucking knows? Because as we said before, the NRL generally throw out these pie charts with no numbers or no justification of how much money actually is being paid to people at head office and how much is going into grassroots and these other areas, etc. But the two biggest corrections are going to come now on the back of this in clubland and the clubs themselves because of the way they've mismanaged their own funds and relying purely on that grant and at the NRL level. And I'm, I will say one well, thing... Well, you know, like if, you, if you're really going to... Like, if you go through the first few rounds of the competition, you could look at a whole heap of players that, have, that are um, origin players that weren't up to their standard or their level of payment. They weren't playing elite footy. That's footy. So are we, we going to throw all them under the bus as well? Yeah, that, that's footy. You, you risk paying somebody... You risk, uh, you know, what what comes with it. The performance, are they happy? Do they like their club? Do they like their teammates? Do they get comfortable? In the current, in the current climate, it's, yeah, it's it piss poor. It was, it was just ordinary. It was, it was shit journalism and it, it was just crap. Um, well, this is unfortunately why a lot of people, uh, whether they like it or not, they say, oh, they call us crisis merchants and we're negative. Well, unfortunately, 
the majority of the stuff that comes out of the papers, the TV shows and the bits and pieces uh, do tend to be negative, whether they like it or not. They don't tend to highlight enough positive stuff. Yeah, I don't know whether negative, positive, as long as it's factual and it's the reality and it's accurate. It'll at least be balanced Um, or try to be positive uh, at times. It it seems that most things that do come out of all of it are, are always on the negative side or the controversial side. There's a lot of good stuff that goes unnoticed or unspoken. Yeah, I think there's also a lot of bad stuff that goes unnoticed and unspoken, but... Yeah, tonight it just really it really fired me up hearing that tonight um, because I just think it's a, it's a point in time right now where you know and, and I've highlighted that the club the clubs are going to blue like this this could end up in fisticuffs um, because the clubs are going to sort of say well why why are we getting punished for being financially responsible when these clubs haven't been financially responsible and now they're going to fall over and all of a sudden you want us to help them and take less wedge to prop them up when we agreed that there wasn't going to be any more prop ups we were all going to take this amount of money and if we fell over then it was bad luck and, and I know that it's extenuating circumstances that's sort of caused this financial pressure to, to come on but you know I, I, don't, I don't have an answer I'd, the clubs are going to start blowing the last thing we need to be doing is bagging our players on TV uh, or pointing the finger anywhere at this point in time we need to work out a way to get through this um I think Peter Volandis and Todd Greenberg have done a tremendous job in the last two or three weeks. I felt really confident in their leadership. Rugby leg. So I, I think there's a lot to be positive about at this point in time. The situation that we're in financially, we cannot control that now. There's no point pointing the finger and and the like. I, I never really fully understood how deep of a hole we dug ourselves. Um, it wasn't until a few weeks ago that you know, you had sort of commented on that future fund was was gone. So it was sort of like, well, if the game does get suspended, that was sort of when the NBA got suspended about a month ago. Yeah, and also because... Going, oh, right, if that happens to the NRL, we don't have that future fund. And people sort of started to, I guess, pre-warn about, you know, what could potentially happen. Mm. So... Well, Volandis was and black and white. point now. Volandis was black and white. It's the first time in a long time someone's just thrown it out there black and white now he's in control that this is the circumstance. In the past, we would have got, look at my left hand, why I do whatever with the right and a bunch of bullshit and poli- uh, political speak to avoid the hard topic. But that's the one thing I will give to Valandi since he's been there. He's pulled no punches. He hasn't hidden anything. And he's been on the front foot the whole time trying to make this thing work. Mm. So I, I think we're in the best possible hands as far as that situation is concerned. But uh, there's going to be a lot of hard conversations the next days. As I said, tomorrow is the RLPA meeting around wages and what's going to happen there and that obviously will come down to how many games but there will be some discussion well, I, I think look in the short term we're going to, for the next month I guess the players are going to be able to be paid whatever they want or, or maybe you know the conversation tomorrow will be boys you're going to get 50% for the next two months of your contract okay until we can work out when this comes back if we can come back and play a full season you'll get your full wedge if not if we play 75% of the season you're going to get 75% of your wedge and that essentially that's how it's going to work. They're partners in the game, so yeah. well, I spoke to hard to be partners in the game. So now that that means you know when the revenue goes up, they get more wedge. When it doesn't, and it goes down, like in this situation, they get less wedge. Similar to, to every other occupation, yeah, less well, work, supply demand. That's that simple business, simple economics. Well, so. they wanted to be partners in the game, and come with that is these circumstances. If there's not enough revenue and there's not money there to pay the wages or only a certain percentage, well then everyone has to take the hit. So. But I think the players are probably going to be having uh, similar conversations to what we're having now, saying, well, how the hell do we ever run at a, at a model where 
you know, if we're off for a month or six weeks, the game falls yeah, over. Yeah, we're fucked, basically. But uh, the other thing is with those clubs not being guaranteed, you know, there's no money there to give out. A lot of their clubs, as we said, no pokey money. The TV dollar's gone for now. Tickets, memberships, advertising, all those kind of bits and pieces put a strain on the clubs. A lot of people already speaking about, you know, the viability of some clubs or those which would be in more trouble than others. Cronulla was already mentioned. Obviously, you know, Buzz Rothfield would be on the front foot saying they've got money from the development. They've closed their own doors. They should be fine. The Pens have openly said the last few years they've been losing a couple million to float Manly. Uh, are they someone who looks to sell? Do they have any issues? I think all your privately owned clubs, whether they run at a profit or a loss, will well, is be... This, is this, you know, I was thinking about this last night. Um, and smarter people than me will be able to answer this, but are we at a point in time now where the, the private ownership is how we get ourselves out of this? Well, I think if anyone... When, that was my first thought with everyone panicking about this club may fall or these two or three clubs. I think in six to 12 months or whatever the circumstance may be, that if anyone fell over, I, I, I dare say there'd be a buyer interested in resurrecting well, that's right, a, a couple the, of these the, clubs. The broadcast deal is to have 16 clubs. And if the broadcast new broadcast deal was a little bit less, that, well, that, that may shrink the model as far as the grant and the salary cap for the game. But I have no doubt a club like Manly, surely, would find someone that would be interested in buying. Or if Cronulla was no longer viable, which I doubt they are given their circumstances. Uh, I think most of the other clubs off the top of my head, even without their leagues clubs long-term, would be financially viable enough to get a loan from the bank or be able to guarantee it once they operation function again. Like Penrith may be strangled, hold it a little bit at the moment, but I'm sure they'll recover as soon as the doors are open in six months. The Broncos, Melbourne's privately owned. The Titans should be safe now with private ownership, whether they're operating on a certain budget or not. Like a lot of the clubs, I think, should be in a pretty good position. There may be a handful that are feeling the pinch if this goes long-term and they don't have support. But I have no doubt in my mind there'd be some people, if things did go wrong, that would resurrect a club or buy a club. Yeah, and, and like this is, the, this is the classic point where the game, if the money, if the clubs and the, and the game had money in the bank, it wouldn't really matter. They'd just go, OK, whatever. But, I mean, now you're sort of looking going, it's, it's, a, it's a buyer's market now. It's not a seller's market. So, you know, if you're going to sell a franchise or sell a licence, you're going to get it at peanuts. So I guess I guess it's a point in time where um, buyers and, and potential private owners could be looking going, well, OK, I, I'm, I, this may be my avenue into private ownership. And, you know, you look at the NFL and most of those American sports, they're majority private owners or... Um, uh, how do you call them when the fans own it? I, I can't. I can't think of what that term is. But um, no, it's certainly interesting times ahead. Yeah. Well, as far as possibilities moving forward, they're still saying today that they've got the possibility of moving north. That would obviously all come down to whether the border restrictions are lifted. Then the RLPA and all the players would have to agree. I, I don't know if that would work or not, but I'm sure if you told the players the only way to earn their full freight would be to make that move and that potentially moving forward there's going to be less money in the game, that this may be their last chance to earn full freight, um, may motivate a few people. It'd be a hard circumstance on players, coaches, staff, families, etc. But um, these are certainly interesting times. The conference system is still being considered. And then as far as a start-up date or what could potentially happen moving forward, June 1st was the earliest floated time, which is a nine-week hiatus. They'd be to play the full comp. They've got a date for July a date for August. The absolute latest would be a September kickoff. 
that would be everybody plays each other once. So I'm assuming because we're two rounds in, that would mean another 13 rounds so everyone plays. And the grand final and finals would be right up to the date, like you're saying, near Christmas time. Um, so they've obviously got a lot of things they've considered depending on the outcome moving forward. This is something, again, that's going to change week to week, month to month, or however long it's going to take. But all those options are on the table. And then the only other two bits, like we said, moving forward will be those adjustments. What happens with Fox and Nine? If they get any money, does things change? The TV moving uh, forward, the salary cap deal, the players' wage cuts, and then obviously the correction at head office where I'm sure Peter Volandis is going to rip and tear and get that to the absolute bare minimum and or what is actually needed. So. Yeah, look, and I think once rugby league hit, hits the field again, where it's going to be a, um, a seller's market. Rugby league's going to be the one that has the power because imagine what the crowd's are going to be like. Imagine what the appetite for rugby league is going to be the longer this goes on. Um, so to think that the game's just going to, you know, combust and blow up and, and go away and never be seen again. No. Like, it, it's just ridiculous. So like, there was a lot of crisis merchant sort of commentary around that. You know, whether whether if the NRL falls over um, in terms of a competition, there'll, there'll be something that'll be resurrected and that the game will go on, whether the licences look different and the comp looks different or, you know, however it all sort of evolves, the game's still going to roll on. The game will rise and the game will be more popular because of this because the appetite is only going to grow. You can see, you know, how devastated people are and, you know, the fact that Fox has reprogrammed uh, and they're going to have two, three-hour-long shows per day, six hours of talk about rugby league on Fox League, even while the games aren't going on. So that, that, that gives you an indication. They wouldn't be doing that unless they thought they could get ratings. Uh, and, and I bet you they, both those shows will rate through the roof um, purely because people are going to miss rugby league. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's the reason why we won't go off the airways because I, I know for a fact, and we haven't really spoken about it off air, that... We just know that we've got so many fans that love rugby league um, and, and love hearing us speak about it that it wouldn't matter whether we're arguing about, you know, who's the greatest ever player or, you know, whatever the topics are that we're going to go into until we get a resumption post tonight's show, uh, that there's, there's an appetite for it. People love love the game. I think at this point in time, it's probably just a, it's a, it's a good point for every fan of the game to... Make sure you go and you go and buy a club membership. That's that's probably the biggest yeah. thing. That if you're not affected, you want to obviously. Rugby league. Like I, I'm a Titans member. I'm a what do they call it? A faraway fan or whatever. And I think it costs me sort of a hundred bucks a year. Just just go and do that. That, that. That's that's the biggest thing. And look, financially, you've got to be able to be able to do it, obviously. Um, but you know, if you're looking for a way to contribute and a way to help your club. And that's that's the biggest thing that you can do. I think is go and buy a membership if you know if you're a part of the family and you've got kids or whatever. You know, go and buy um, buy a membership. And if you're going to buy merchandise, make sure you buy it through the club store, not through Rebel or the NRL store or whoever. So the money goes directly to your club. If that's if you want to support your club, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, but I just think it's a time where yeah, we've, we've really got to try and bind together and the appetite's going to be there and the game's going to rise. Uh, we're just going to na- navigate this period. Just, I guess the unknown is how long it's going to be for. Yeah, 100%. And I, look, think- I, heard, I, I heard Mike Francesa, who is a sports commentator in New York City, and people probably go, you're, well, you're a fucking moron. It's at the other side of the world. But 
Um, I'm a huge baseball nut uh, and sort of NBA and, and, and NFL, obviously. Um, and, and he was talking about New York at the moment, and they've been in lockdown now, I think, for about three weeks. But he was saying that, um, you know, there's still construction sites being worked on and people are out working and people aren't uh, taking notice of the social distancing and there's a whole heap of issues that they're having in New York and New York's got more than 50% of the total cases in the US and it just seems like a hive for, for the disease at the moment. And he was sort of saying that, in his opinion, that the American economy will fall over if this goes for any more than two months. That, you know, like, if they think that they can just not have an economy and people can just not work for a period of time until this surpasses, that the whole country will just fall over because it's it's impossible for the government to be able to buy everyone out and, and help everyone. So he's sort of saying that, look, we need to set a date. We need to say, right, we're going to be indoors for two or three weeks, test everyone. He's saying nationwide test everyone and then say, right, oh, on this date, we're all going back to work. The leagues are starting. We're getting on with life. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know whether how well advised it, it is, and yeah, well, you know, that, that's what your sort issue. of uh, what sort of facility they have in order to test everyone. And I guess you're sort of going to have some way of isolating and separating and trying to control the spread of the disease. I'm not sure whether, and I guess the, the one question I'd like answered is, and you know, I, I don't expect anyone to be able to answer it, but you know, if you contract coronavirus, can you then contract it a second time? Or do you build an immunity to it? I, I, I don't know. So well, I guess I guess the the, the reason I ask that is, that, you know, if you've got it, you got it. Can you just get on with life? You know, I'm I'm, I'm assuming like most things, once you've had it, once you build an immunity to it. But the biggest thing is going off what you just said, and this is what a lot of doctors have said. Even if we do get through this period, and they're talking about in Australia and all places, and we curve the growth and curve all the cases, if we don't have a vaccine, and we have somewhat contain it but there's still people out there as soon as we start gathering again and ignore all this without a vaccine it'll just explode again so the the biggest thing is for now with all the autopsies and all the evidence they've got from all these other countries that have already been through you know the harder stages of this than us italy china etc is the sooner we get a vaccine the sooner we get on with life that that's the only real way this is going to pass over and we can go back to living the way we need to live and Mm. i think the harder thing for australia i'm not saying it's you know, not hard for everybody else, is a lot of countries have already out of their winter period. We're heading into our winter period, so we're about to have the flu season on top of this as well. Yeah. So if this isn't contained and a vaccine doesn't come and people do what they've been doing and just be complete... But I mean, we don't, we don't have a cure for the flu either. No, like I get that. Shot, the, the, the flu shot that you get doesn't cure the flu. You try and get an immunity is the point, though, and same as just coronavirus. But my point is, if people... If we don't have this and we come into this season and people just keep being complete fuckheads and ignoring any of these guidelines for the safety of those around them, which is completely selfish, it, it could get out of hand. Mm. So it's it's a bit hard. To, and the other thing, like, I get where Frances has come from, but we, no one can even test enough over it. There's people that are meeting the requirements to be tested, but now they're adding more layers to it because we only just got 80,000 more kids into our country, let alone globally. So every, yeah, everybody's... Yeah, I think his, his whole commentary was around the economics of it. So I was saying, we can't, like, can't sustain this economically. And I look at our country and... You know, the, they're saying that the stimulus that was given to small businesses is enough to sustain them for three days. For some of these businesses. So, you know, I've listened to a lot of talkback radio today, and there's a lot of small businesses going there. Like, it's great that the government's trying to do something, but it's not going to be able to sustain small business for the, the, the period of time in which small business is going to be forced to not work. 
or you know, particularly as we go into a lockdown. So. Well, um, the big thing for us right now, I think we're at a point where a lot of people have been saying, would they freeze health insurances or mortgages and rents and other bits and pieces? We're, we're honestly getting to a point where that, that's almost going to have to become a reality for people to survive, mm. whether they like it or not, because, that we yeah, there's just not the money, there's not the finances. A lot of people don't have the breathing room and a lot of people can't afford their business. And that's the other thing that's been hard. A lot of people are crying poor about businesses not holding up the end of their bargain to their employees. Think about the poor prick who owns the business who has all the overheads and his livelihood and his super or whatever else he has invested in a business, which is his future. I, I, feel, I feel sorry for both sides. Yeah. yeah feel so everyone's got a stake in a circumstance which is not good. But I guess we've probably gone on for a bit here and we've got a bit personal, bits and pieces, but to wrap it up with the whole coronavirus and not lot, uh, I think Valandi's probably summed it up best when he said that this was a catastrophic situation, but they need to stay united. They've got to make the tough decisions and do what's best to keep everyone there. Um, he kept saying that rugby league was a family and they will do what's best and they don't want any club uh, to obviously fall over and they're hoping to know a rough idea of the way forward, bar all the things I mentioned just before within the next two weeks, if they can cover all bases and they can guarantee a player health roughly what they're looking to do. But at this point in time, I think the biggest thing, like I said, is I think we have the best person possible in control of the situation for the NRL to survive going forward. Agree. Alrighty. Well, there you go. Uh, interesting to see what comes out at the meeting tomorrow with the RLPA. I spoke to a few players today who are a bit nervous. Uh, I think the main thing, if people don't know, is the players' calendar year starts in October. So I think up until this point, they've already received five months' worth of pay. So for your top-end players, as much as some may cry poor, uh, you know, if you're on six, seven hundred thousand, you've already got half your contract. If you don't have rainy, rainy day money, I'm, I'm sorry to say that you're a dickhead. Um, yeah. unfortunately but for that lower end for those guys on development deals for guys that are off contract they're the ones I'd be mainly worried about but they have no idea what the future looks like moving forward and the game's just froze so it's going to be a hard time for some of the people on the bottom end and hopefully we can all come through but uh, I'm just watching Scott I've got Scott News here on, on pause at the moment and they're saying that Scott Morrison's about to address the, the nation and there's uh, 2010 currently infected patients 1,999, which is 99% are in a mild or moderate condition and they'll recover. And we've got 11, which is 1% in a serious or critical condition. So, uh, you know, the numbers have gone through the roof. They've doubled in the last sort of two or three days. So smart call by the NRL to make the decision that they have. And we're recording this on on Tuesday night. It's now just gone 9 o'clock. So... um, it was a responsible decision by the game, regardless of the financial situation, and that's going to be a debate uh, for later on who's responsible for it, and we've just got to navigate our way through it. I tend to think that, you know, probably the last thing I'd say is that, you know, I know Vlandy sort of said we're going to try and get a handout from the government. I think that'll come once the NRL hits the wall. I think the government at the moment has got other priorities, and rightfully so. Uh, he's probably thinking, well, the government's probably thinking, well, you're like your big business, like you should be able to sort of have enough money stashed away or we're just going to let you get to a point where if you really, really need the help, we'll give it to you. But at the moment, we've got other priorities and I, I don't mind that from, from the government. Uh, but it, it's going to be really, really interesting if rugby league in six weeks' time finds itself on its knees with no real uh, defined start date uh, date or recommencement date, what happens in terms of the government. Um, I think there was some... I saw... I don't know who it was last week suggested that we should pull some of the money out of the stadium grants. It's like, well, 
the money into the stadium grants isn't just for rugby league. It's government money to build stadiums to make the stadium better. Like rugby league is one of the, I guess the the people who occupy those stadiums that have been rebuilt. But in the end, rugby league isn't exclusively played in those venues. So uh, we're clutching at straws a little bit financially. Yeah. Well, again, it's developing. We'll sort it week by week as we go through and as things play out. But hopefully. Uh, we can get some control over this. Hopefully they make some moves within the RLPA, the players, the situation head office and whatnot. And unfortunately, like I said, there's going to be a lot of people that are left in a hard spot. But for the long-term benefit of the game, I think we've got the right person and I think they'll do everything they can uh, to make sure they can survive for longer than possibly that three months and move forward. But uh, it's all going to be a developing situation week to week from here on out until we know what's going to happen with the virus and, and a possible recommencement of the competition. But- yep. Enough of that. Uh, I guess for the last time, for the time being, Brock, we've got some games that were played on the weekend. We can talk about them and our thoughts. Uh, maybe after that, have a bit of a chat after the two rounds about, you know, has anyone surprised you? Anyone you really, really like? Anyone that's disappointed you in thoughts, uh, possibly, on what, what you pick for your top eight or anything like that? Is there anything you regret? Anything you don't regret? And you obviously posted up last night some topics from people to speak about over the next few weeks. I don't know whether you want to run through some of those tonight because most of them look almost like our fan questions or whether you want to stash those away for, for weeks no, look, I think we've, we've probably got to talk I reckon we can do two shows a week at the moment um, just bang bang a couple of shows out answer some questions maybe a couple of one hour shows on top of, of the night um, but obviously we're we're not going to be bound by the end of the round so you yeah, know if team you list, gambling. time off and um, you know, we can chat on the phone for an hour or whatever. We can we can pump out some questions. We could do three, four, five of those. Um, you know, I, I was more. I think people sort of got lost a little bit in what I was asking on that post. To sort of, you know, is there is there anything within the game that yeah, like more you know, would like us to talk about as a, as a topic, like for an hour, not yeah. sort of just questions off. We can do a questions, but that's no drama. But well, there's a couple. There is a couple there. Someone brought oh, up. Well, if you want to bang a few out tonight, that's cool. But um, but we're more interested in, you know, is there, is there topics that you think that we could cover? You know, is there a way forward that you think would be more engaging than, you know, like obviously we're not going to be able to have our week-to-week chat. So is there stuff around, I don't even know where to start. Like we could sit and talk about things for hours and hours and hours. But I guess the point is, is that, it's no good us sitting and talking about things if people don't want to listen to it. So the question was more around, you know, what do you guys want to listen to? Um, because we're not going to stop talking about footy. This is footy season. Whether the games have been played or not, it doesn't matter. Like, we could do some game companions on old games, but I guess the the barrier there that I sort of thought about was, will, will everyone have access to the old game um, to talk about it? Uh, classic grand finals, classic games debate top 50 players top 100 players best 13 of all time you know there's a whole heap of things that we could do yeah. so really need to, to hear from you guys because I guess the fans are the ones that determine you know, you know like obviously the more engaging the content is the more people we've got listening and that's what we want uh, that's all, our only hope is to talk about things that um, that people want to listen to and that are engaging and are going to get people through this this time there's nothing better than you know, I sort of get on, and when there's a podcast from you know a few that I listen to, I go, oh, "Thank God, I've got something to listen to today." Um, and hopefully, that we're providing that for people, or as many people as possible within the rugby league community. Yeah, well, there's a lot here we would have covered off 
to be honest. Like, well, let's, let's go through these games. I don't want to talk about them too in-depth because there's no real point. We're not going to have games this weekend. So um, let's pump them out nice and quick. Uh, pump out, you know, if you want to have a look at the start of the season. It's only been a small sample size, so I don't think there's a lot to really go off, and particularly when we're going to – we don't know when we're going to resume. But let's pump through that quickly, and then we'll get into some of that other stuff. I think that's probably going to be more relevant moving forward in the near future. Yeah. Well, Dogs, Cowboys, 24-16. Stinker. Uh, it was a stinker of a game. It was an odd game. It was the same old Bulldogs, but the difference is, and we spoke about this at the start of the year, they're going to be tough, they're going to complete high, they're going to defend well, but when they have a game like they did the other night where they made 17, 18 errors and they don't generate a lot in attack, they're not going to be able to win. Yeah, but Rumor um, Smith, I think, missed three tackles on his inside shoulder. Sorry, it was just bad. No, there, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of energy in this game. I was concerned about... The round moving forward after I watched this game because it was it just had zero juice to it. I thought the Cowboys were better than the Bulldogs, but I didn't really love what I saw from the Cowboys either. So yeah, it was it was a tough game to watch. It's the second Thursday night game in a row that I fell asleep during. So there you go. That's got to be some sort of a record. Yeah, well, I thought there was a few players that were okay, but again, with the season stopping right now, my big thing with the Cowboys was I thought it would take four to six weeks for things to kind of mesh and it still looks that way drink water yeah. still had some moments Val Holmes has still got to find his feet I thought Robson off the bench was good but that's not going to come instantly with so many changes uh, Tamalolo was absolutely fucking outstanding and yeah, Josh McGuire free. obviously brought a big difference having someone back with a bit of mongrel in their middle but uh, Bulldogs like we said need to do the same thing week in week out with a lack of attacking options but if they're going to make 16-7 errors they're never going to be in a game yeah, Lockie Lewis got the hook. Uh, I was very happy to see Jake Avarillo in. I know I've spoke about him the last 18 months or so. They've sort of pushed him to different positions as he's come through the grades, but watching him come through 16s, 18s, and schoolboy mainly as a 6, they still end up with the same problem. And I think Matty Johns mentioned this. They've got a lot of guys there that are second fiddle kind of halves. They still don't have a dominant half, but out of the three they've got right now, I think Jake Avarillo would be the best one of the three as far as creating something, being a ball runner. Yeah, look, I think they need Lockie Lewis in there. He's their best kick. He's the closest to the seven is, is what you're going to get. I didn't agree with Pay hooking him. I, I think you could hook him if you had someone there that, you know, if you, if you compare Wakeham and Avarillo together, which you're saying, and I agree that I don't think you really can because they're both sixes, he, they, they had to stick with Lockie Lewis, in my opinion. He's only a young kid. He's a half learned footy and he's playing a side that, He's struggling. He's without a few key forwards. You know, you know, we we know that they're probably going to struggle to score two or three tries a game. So I, I'm not sure what more he wanted out of him. Like I know there were a few things that went wrong, but I, I guess you can you can, you, I mean, you can cut players and you can hook players when you know that you've got someone else there that can do the job. My concern with the Bulldogs is I don't think they do. I think they need Lockie Lewis. I think he needs to. Um, keep him out there and, and just chew some of the mistakes he's going to make and just push him each week to get better. But that, that's just my opinion. Uh, whether it's Avarillo or Wakeham and whether you can play one as your 14, I don't, I don't really know how that works, but they need to work out who the best partner is for him. I think Wakeham's quite okay. He's he, Again, he's young. He's learning his footy. Avarillo, young, learning his footy. I don't, I don't know what more pay wants. I, you're never, you're never going to have your half just play perfect footy every week, particularly when they're playing behind a pack that was getting pounded by the Cowboys. So, and I mean, Dallin Martinez-Lesniak's had an awful two weeks in terms of errors and 
and his performance. So I think there's a, there's a he didn't he didn't go and hook Dallin after he dropped the ball two or three times. So I, I don't know. I, I I just look at the dogs and go they they're a little bit confused about who they are as a team. What what are they as a team? Who's their centerpiece? Who's their key player? Who's their leader? They they look a bit leaderless. Uh, so there's concerns for me at the dogs. Yeah, well, I think again, if you were heading into a round now without the break next week, I think your big question is: Well, you've hooked your half. Is he now on the bench? Is he out of the side? Are you playing Avarillo and Wakeham, which is generally two sixes, not a seven? Mm. Mind you, Lewis. But what's come... your criteria for hooking him? I don't know. Lewis came through playing mostly as a six as well, but I agree with you. He's definitely got the best kicking game out of all of them. He's that yeah, time... he's, he's, yeah, I'm not saying he's not a. I'm not saying he's not a six. I'm just saying he's the one that's closest to the seven. Yeah, well, he's but... got. You I got... sort of go, like, like, if you're going to hook Lewis, you sort of, oh, look across the side and go, there's a few there that I, oh, like, if that's your criteria, then there's a few more that should have been hooked with him. I, I don't know. Well, we already know they don't have the player depth that we spoke about in the yeah. roster this year. And they're which is why have to... I found it really strange. Like, it's, it almost seemed like you were just going to burn through him in round two, which I thought was just silly. Yeah, well, we've talked too long about this game. But, uh, yeah, moving forward, if they come back, off the back of this, I guess, depending on how the training work out, uh, the training side of things works out, they get a little bit more time to work on their combinations for their spine. But again, it's a bit hard to get those things right if you're not doing it in a game. So if anything, I think this hurts the Cowboys a little bit as far as continuing to build. But they've certainly still got some issues to work out between the brand new spine and a couple of players on the field that just need to play better, quite frankly. Yeah. But Tom Malolo was good, Maguire, etc. A um, couple of guys there were okay and Drink water, definitely the highlight of that spine so far. Uh, yeah. What have I got here? I've got my order all mixed up because I wrote them differently. Panthers-Dragons, 32-28. 36 degrees on a Friday night heading into autumn is not something you, you generally associate with a game of no, football. No, they had but... um, a couple of drinks breaks. This was a good game. I, I enjoyed this game. There were a few power naps in there. The um, old Penrith were the better side across the game, but, geez, they had some lapses in concentration. And the Dragons were good enough to, to I guess, well, they, they kicked away to a 10-point lead, I think, with about 15 to go. So they looked the winners until very, very late in this game, and Penrith were just good enough to come over the top of them late. Uh, Penrith, they look good again. Young side, but I, I really like what I've seen from Penrith over the first two weeks. And Dragons, same old Dragons. Game they could have won, just like the week before against the Tigers. Game they could have won that they threw down the road. Uh, they do some very good things and they do some very poor things. Uh, probably concern, more concerning for the Dragons is how many points they're leaking defensively. Yeah. You can't win games when you're leaking that many. And, you know, when you score 28 or whatever it was that they scored, you should be winning it. Yeah, I think the big thing for the Panthers, like you said, those little bit of lapses, but we see a few things we spoke about last year that needed to be corrected and being corrected. Nath is now the dominant half. He was outstanding again. They move the point of attack. They've got a genuine nine now, and Coruscant has been close to their best both weeks. Just about every time, he jumped out of dummy half. He held up that mini line. So the first three defenders, both sides of the ruck, the markers, they were all accountable. They were playing with width. They attacked both halves on the edges and were getting quick play the balls. And 20 minutes in, you thought the score could have been anything. But once Dufty got that interception, and then they had a bit of a poor read on their right-hand side and were tucked in too tight for no apparent reason... Going in at half time down 16 12. If you're Ivan Cleary, you're just going, What the fuck just happened? You, but second half, uh, again, bit of a back and forth. They had a little bit of a good period there where they didn't capitalise enough. They went down late after the soft try there off a quick play the ball where Dufty barges over and then 
they miss the ball, Crichton fresh on the field out of position, but they strike back and again, like the week before, Crichton second time finds himself in open space. That that play between him and Martin and Cleary just playing flat over the advantage line was a great piece of football. Um, and then the penalty goal at the end to ice things. A, a lot of blame. You spoke about those couple of players. Went to Norman, Ben Hunt after this one. I thought Hunt contributed to a few of the tries and, and Norman was okay. But uh, I, I guess, again, we talk about what you've been paid and finishing games off and controlling things. At the back end of the game there, when you're up 10, I guess you're looking for those halves to close the game out. But uh, in particular, I think the one person who, who probably feels worse than anything because he's one of their best players week in, week out, is Tyson Brazell, who unfortunately got stepped on or stepped on James Graham, who fell over, which led to Crichton getting that clear passage to score that second try back-to-back. That moment kind of just took it away from him, and yeah, they were never the same. But it, it is amazing what happens when you've got your spine sorted, you've got a good nine, your forward pack's able to roll forward, your halves can play with some width, and you can move the point of attack, and they just seem so much more settled now with Nathan, Coruscant, Lou White is picking his moments to come to the game. Clearly, fullback's going to be a point of contention still when they come back. Crichton's still coming off the bench. It's worked two weeks in a row, but is it him? Is it Edwards? Is it Crichton? Can you keep carrying a random outside back on the bench and swapping your fullback during the game? You know, it's not exactly normal practice. They've been doing the same with kick out at the moment. I don't know if that's a fitness thing or that shoulder injury that they're rolling him and Burns and Yo, etc., like rotating edges to middles. They've got the stock to do that in their forward pack, but. There's a few small things at the moment that, again, if, if you were playing through here without any issues, I, I don't know if that would continue moving forward. Yeah, I agree. But good result for the Panthers. Nath, Arpy, Yo was good again. Fisher-Harris, Dragons, um, you know, Dufty proved his spot. Tyrell, Fulamano, who's been to a few clubs, had all the junior accolades. I thought he had one of his better games. And uh, Blake Laurie, solid game again, just a worker. Broncos South, 22-18. To be completely honest... After watching this, uh, I think Souths are pretty lucky not to have been beaten by more in a similar game again where they just rolled with ease. Thomas Flegler, Pat Carrigan, the partnership in the middle, and this this forward pack in general. Fafita breaking 15-something tackles again on that left edge. Haas running, Stags on the right edge. They could not be contained, and to think that they're missing Bird, Lodge, Tevita Pengai Jr., Croft doesn't... You know, stay on the field off of Hingau. He's played Origin. There's four or five guys there that could make this side even better. Um, but obviously, South got their opportunities and showed why that one to seven is red hot. The two chances they got off back to back errors, they scored points. But I'm still not very convinced moving forward if this competition is to continue that the Souths have the forward pack to win the competition and enough on their bench to do so. Because when they play at Brisbane, when they play in Melbourne, when they play against the Roosters, when they get their shit together and a few of those other teams, I just think they're not going to be able to win the middle. And if not, they'll be able to hold their middle, but they're not going to be able to sustain it for 80 minutes against four or five of the better sides. Yeah, I thought this was probably the best game of the year so far. Uh, highest quality anyway. So I, I really enjoyed it. Souths were a bit off. They didn't execute. They bombed a couple of tries, but I thought Brisbane were by far the better team. Um yeah, it was really an entertaining game of footy. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Um, but yeah, you know, South could have could have easily won it. Uh, they just didn't didn't execute. Bombed a couple, and, and Brisbane were good enough to take their chances. Tony Staggs was um, excellent. Uh, but yeah, Latrell Mitchell there was a lot of debate around 
his performance, um, his involvement, and whether he's a fullback or whether he's a centre, I don't think. I don't think he was ever just going to walk into fullback and be the most elite fullback and the best fullback in the game. It's always going to take time. So, uh, and I think he's had a he's had a really rough six weeks. I mean, he was implicated into all that crap with the ad, and uh, which I don't think he needed. And, it would have definitely had an impact on him because he's quite an emotional kid. Uh, that's how he seems. Uh, and he's, you know, very culturally sensitive, which I can understand, and been dragged through the shit um, with all that stuff with the out. I think whether people like it or not had an, uh, an impact on him. So, I, you know, you just got to suck it and see with Latrell Mitchell. you got to give him time to adapt to the position and... Um, to get himself up to speed and the only way you do that is through playing games and I agree with what Wayne Bennett said I, I'm not too sure what, what else people were expecting of him uh, and look there were there were a few more who were just as bad or um, contributed as negatively as, as Mitchell did in that game so I just think I guess with the notoriety and, and what he's done at the Roosters and the fact he's played for New South Wales probably places a little bit more pressure on him and he's moved clubs etc so but uh, you know I think this break could be a, a godsend for Latrell Mitchell to um, get himself up up to speed and, and do some stuff and look at some video and learn some lessons from those first two games and hopefully come back um, it, you know in the in the type of uh, form that I guess warrants his position at, at one because you know I've seen him in under 20s games we played him at Penner Stadium in 2015, and he um, he single-handedly beat us with a side that went on, you know, Panther side that I was involved with that went on to win the comp quite easily, uh, and he he beat us on his own, Penrith Stadium at fullback. So, you know, he played like, the first time I ever saw him he was playing fullback for the Central Coast in Harold Matthews, and I can remember you that day said to me, you know, he's a freak the fullback. So, you know, he's played fullback his whole way through. So, yeah, I understand. He, he do it. He's just got to get himself. Um, right both mentally and and physically and he he can perform there he can play there yeah I understand that my disagreement was what I said in the preseason though mine's not what a lot of media people and ex-players are doing which I don't agree with which is just constantly attacking him every week or laying the boot in and doing the bits and pieces about that because let's face it he's played centre the last three or four years so he's not in fullback condition he hasn't yeah, been playing why has he played centre because James Tedesco is the fullback. He's yeah, the I get best that. fullback in the game. And on the flip side of that, he's also played in one of the best teams in the comp, which I agree enhances his talent. He's now going to a club where he took off extra time. He hasn't done a full preseason. I still agree he's not in fullback shape, but it's not going to happen overnight. If anyone understands the position, it's the most important position on the ground. It's the busiest position. It has the most layers to it. Um, for me, this year, I basically would have written it off and almost just said that he was going to be a centre and they need a full pre-season and time to work things out because I, I just more look at the flip side of it again that they said this week he went home. I don't know the reasoning behind that, but he did a lot of that last year. He did all these other bits and pieces. My biggest thing is, is, is he committed enough to do all the little things it needs to do to become? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
one of the best and the most elite NRL fullbacks. There's no question of his natural talent and his ability, which is why in the 20s and all these other grades we've seen the best of him. But to be an elite NRL fullback, that's on the Troll Mitchell. That's I'm not bringing this down to clubs and players or any other bits and pieces. All that comes back to the Troll Mitchell. How badly does he want to be a gun NRL fullback? Is he willing to put in the time? Is he willing to be fit enough? And is he willing to learn and build those connections? And yeah, he wasn't great on the weekend, but I just don't know what people fucking expected when he had next to no preseason and he doesn't have connections with anyone in that club and he's playing a position he hasn't played for four years. Mm. So at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the trail. He's super talented. There's no doubt about it. He could be one of the best players in the competition, but I think it's more his own hurdles that will lead to him becoming one of the best fullbacks in the game. Mm. So again, time will tell that and things being halted. I don't know if it is a good thing for him because I think he needs more football, but... Like you said before, they've got options there. If it's not working out this year, I'm sure he just ends up back in the centres. And Johnston probably gets that job, or Gagai or somebody else, more than likely Johnston. But uh, heading into next year, regardless of what happens this year, he needs a full off-season, and he needs to decide in his own mind that he wants to take this fucking seriously. There's no dicking around or going away or not training and doing all the bits and pieces. Natural talent will only get you so far. Mine's got nothing to do with all the, like I said, gripes that other people have got. It's purely on the trail. He's got all the talent in the world, but is he willing to do the work? Yeah, you don't know that. We're, we're not there, so I, I don't know. But for the reasons why he goes away, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to comment on things I don't know. I just know that he can play fullback and he needs to be given time. Yeah. Well, for Brisbane, I tell you what, for the last couple of years at Queensland, we're running short on a couple of forwards and they needed someone far out. They've produced a pair in Pat Carrigan and Tom Flegler. If Origin yeah. is to proceed this year, they're, they're two of the first blokes you'd roll into that. Um, you know, we already saw Fafita last year. He's only going to keep getting better. I don't know how often Hungawi is going to be playing when he gets back, but I'm sure he's going to be keen with those other guys contributing more around him. And on the flip side, we've already seen Haas play for New South Wales. Lodge was mooted before he did his ACL, and Staggs will certainly be pushing his wheelbarrow to get a spot as well. So Brisbane, fucking hell, they're, they're producing some young forwards and. Bullamore, who played on the weekend, he's come through and ticked all those boxes as well. He's another one. Jordan Riki, as I mentioned before, a Kiwi boy who's not playing yet. Uh, yeah, when everyone's healthy and firing, whether this year or next, if if they get things right, this Brisbane team's going to be awfully scary. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Flegler in particular looks like uh, he's made some real big strides in the off-season. South... Oh, yeah, I don't know. No, I thought Cody Walker had some impressive bits in attack. I still don't agree with Murray playing the back row and the middles concern me, but things are halted now, so they've got some time to work on it and have a look. But we'll see how things go for them moving forward. Raiders-Warriors, 20-6. Uh, to 6. This was a pretty ordinary game. We were speaking about ordinary games. Um, they were just error-filled. Canberra, especially early on, the Warriors had... 20 to 7 opportunities inside 20. They're, they're still like they're completely struggling. They don't know what they're doing with their spine options, their hooker set up. They were very sideways. Yeah, about the only thing they kind of offered was when they lost control there, they'll just turn a bloke's back under. But I guess the only positive to take out of this, if you're a Raiders fan, defensively, they didn't crack on goal line and they gave plenty of opportunities to the Warriors. But um, for them, their first two opponents haven't exactly been the best two teams to get a gauge off. So. Yeah, I don't know what to really make of this, but there's a few players that were solid, but overall the performance was quite poor. Yeah, poor overall. Poor from um, from both sides. The Raiders sort of clicked in when they needed to, but the Warriors, they look like they were 
in New Zealand already, and that's to be expected. They were totally out of routine. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think the, like the Raiders have played the Titans and the Warriors, and they haven't looked overly convincing in either game. So, hard to get a read on. Yeah, there was some signs again, uh, I guess, from the Cotrick, Scott and Williams edge that things are getting a little bit better. They had a couple of miscues there, a couple of forward passes. They could have had three or four tries down that edge. Uh, Kotrick was absolutely outstanding, bar a drop ball, and he bombed a try there. He weren't clean through, but I think he had something like 17 tackle bars. Him and Curtis Scott seemed to be feeding off one another. Bailey Simonson, his yardage work, etc. Papali and a few of those guys did their job, but... Uh, yeah, just too many errors. That, that they looked a little bit lost at times with what they wanted to do. Probably again, all, all the good stuff seemed to come off Hodgson first. So there's still a little bit there that needs to be worked on when they eventually play better sides that are going to need to come off Williams, White, and, and Charles Nickel Clogstad. Everyone's good at running. They've got a good forward pack. They can still offload and they can get yardage. But when it comes time to those crunch plays inside twenty and coming up with points, they can't rely on Hodgson all the time. No. The Warriors, uh, yeah, I think it's the same old, same old. Like you said, their minds are elsewhere. Rightfully so, they'd be back home now. Uh, really impressed with Katoa, the back rower, in his first two games for a 20-year-old. He's a powerhouse. Sheck has always worked himself to a bone. Thought Tohu was okay, but uh, whether this commences or not this year, like we said, had them 15th, and it wouldn't surprise me with some of the injuries in, the, in their roster if they were last, besides the Titans. But after watching the Titans the first two games... Uh, I think the Warriors may avoid that, but I think they're the two worst teams after the first two weeks, no doubt about it. Yeah, but again, the comp's going to come to a close, so I don't think it's really relevant. We're trying to work out who the wooden spooner is after two rounds. So Yeah. Storm um, Sharks, 12 I mean, 10. the Titans have played, to be fair, like the Titans have played Eels and Raiders, so you tip the Eels to win the comp, and uh, the Raiders... You know, a lot of people are, people are tipping to win the comp, so... Yeah, they haven't had an easy start. No, no doubt about it. Storm against Cronulla, what were your thoughts on this one? 12-10. Uh, it was close to the worst game I've seen this year. It was just painful. A lot of penalty goals. Storm were unstorm-like. The Sharks were probably the better side, I thought, for the, the majority, or at least long enough to win it, but they just, again, couldn't get out of their own way, gave away dumb penalties... And Melbourne were just clinical in that last 10 minutes. And uh, they, they did what Melbourne do, and they won a tight game away from home with circumstances uh, against them. And, and you know, I guess that's their culture. That's the cornerstone of, you know, the identity that they built down there. Um, Cronulla, yeah, like Cronulla played Melbourne and South Sydney and lost both close. They could have easily won both. But they look like a young team. They've got a lot of discipline issues and they make errors at the wrong time. Whereas, you know, Melbourne, they were well below their best. But, you know, when it just came down to that crunch time, they, they just know how to win games. Yeah, I uh, think goal line defence, like we saw last week in that ugly game, they just they don't leak anything for free. The only try the Sharks got was off a kick. Um, it was a good kick by Brady there, but there was many opportunities that were shut down. There was a Dale Finucane hit when they were going close to the line. They held Woods up. They had a four-on-three where Vunavalu come out and shut it down. They threw a forward pass. There was multiple opportunities there, but inside 20, much like they were last week, uh, their bread and butter when they have a poor night is their defense inside 20, and they just kept turning the Sharks away. Yeah. And in the end, it was a pretty shit penalty that they gave away. Three in the tackle. 
Kennedy tries to sell it like he accidentally pulled the ball out and, you know, you, you couldn't do anything sillier. Smith knocks that over and, again, those games that you talked about, Melbourne win five or six every year that you look at and go, fuck, they shouldn't have won that game, but that's just them. They, they get through those ugly games and, and they find a way. Cronulla, uh, I don't know. It just it just seems all a bit disjointed. I know. Again, we're about to go into a stoppage. Nakora pulled out before that game. Wade Graham limped off, but they have patches there when you look at them. They look really, really good. But in particular, that right edge, Johnson, Ramian, uh, Sorensen was a late inclusion there. That was very disjointed. There was a lot of football on the ground. Uh, they've definitely got some stuff to work on. Whether it is in a couple of weeks' time, because I think training's on hiatus for at least four to six weeks, or when they come back, but. A lot of young guys, a lot of guys didn't play a lot of footy last year. Moylan, Johnson being injured, etc. They've definitely got some stuff to work through. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, he looked like a different player across two games. And there were times where he just he passed the ball and no one knew what was going on. And, yeah, very disjointed. I will say again, he surprised me last week and I thought he was very good last night. The progress of Tui Kamika Mika as far as minutes and his contribution to that rotation for Melbourne. Uh, I thought he, him and Jesse Bromwich were very good again. Yeah, well, yeah. So good signs there. Uh, Manly versus the Roosters, 9-8. It, it's kind of funny, this one. It, it, was, it was ugly. There's no doubt about it. But much like a Cronulla uh, versus Storm kind of game, Manly Roosters, you associate being an arm wrestler and a bit of a grind. But Manly did a Roosters to themselves the other night. They had line breaks, they got torn apart a couple of times, they picked on their edges, they jammed into the roosters, adjusted, made six or seven line breaks, but they just scrambled, they defended their line. Tommy Trebojevic came up with an absolute, you know, ripper save a couple of times. One in particular, I'm sure Luke no, Keery. I think he saved four tries, to be fair. Yeah. Luke Keery. the difference. Like, Keery's over the line, he knocks the ball oh, out. What about that? Just dive. He had a smirk and he had it in one hand. Trent Robinson would be absolutely kicking his ass this week for that. Mm. Yeah, the, the roosters... The roosters. Could have easily won that game. Yeah, they they, they blew it. Manly just scrambled and fought and dug and well they do. And that's a game that Manly shouldn't have won that they did because they're a tough, gritty, competitive side and that's why um you know you can look at Manly on paper and but you you know they're coached by Des and you know that they've got a lot of guys that will just graft away and that's their identity, that's who they are, and they beat the defending premiers, so good on them. Yeah. Not a great start for the Roosters, but again, I think if anyone's going to appreciate this break or it's going to benefit anyone, it's going to be the Roosters. They've had yeah. next to no preseason. They've had the big trip. They've had some turnover. If there's anyone that could do with this time off, I think it's the Roosters. Yeah. So there's also a couple of clubs who got injuries over the weekend, but yeah, they've got some stuff to work through. Josh Morris will come over now. That was his last game. For Cronulla, uh, I think Tupanua apparently has done his ACL, so he's probably not back this year. But there's a couple other guys under some clouds that'll be ready to go or get some training under their belts. But out of this game, Kiri had some good moments, bar his drop, but his ball playing, he was really good. Flanagan, I, I think a couple of things should have stuck that didn't for him. Uh, it was more the players around him. Tedesco, people said, oh, he got outpointed by Tommy. I, I still think Tedesco had a very fucking good game. And uh, Victor Radley, Victor Radley short passing or some of his ball playing. Not only did he go 200-plus and he was busy as all hell, he put two or three guys clean to the line. So there's enough good signs there, but they're one of those teams. Even if they were 0-2 and we were continuing on, the Roosters, to me, would just play themselves at some point into winning form or play themselves into the season. I'm not concerned about the Roosters. 
just reading an article here saying that um, the whole Canterbury coaching staff has been stood down without pay. Well, Steve Price, I think, on the board or a chairman or whatever, I'm pretty sure he's been stood down as well. So. Steve Price, Dean Pay, Steve Georgiola, Steve Antonelli all stood down immediately with no, no pay and no outline of when they'll be back. Well, this comes back to what I said here before. A lot of those clubs that rely on leagues clubs, now that they're all shut because of non-essential services like Panthers and the, and the dogs who rely on that side of things, that's generally how they fund a lot of their operations. So, um, hard times for those clubs. Mm. Not good. But Cherry Evans, left or right-footed, he gets the job done, kicks that field goal again, had a nice moment early in the game with Tom. They were both good. Fanua Blake, two games back after surgery and basically no preseason, thought he was good as well, but... Um, yeah, ugly game, but a win's a win. There's no doubt about that. Sunday's games, last two to talk about. Newcastle Tigers, 42-24. In all honesty, the score flatters the Tigers. Uh, Newcastle, if they take away the, the shit intercept where Ponga literally threw it straight to Ponga, a, a drop ball where they throw it at the back and Reynolds runs away. Like, there was a couple of just cheap free tries they would have given away that Adam O'Brien would have been absolutely filthy about, but I tell you what, we said it before that that right edge for the Tigers this year is going to be rocks and diamonds. It was fucking rocks on the weekend. They got absolutely carved up defensively. Between the two Lay Lewis and Benji Marshall, they were all disconnected. Their contact was terrible. They got beat constantly on inside shoulders or simple misses. Braley just looks a completely different player after a preseason with Ponga and Pierce and, and under O'Brien. Like if, if Cronulla looked at him and thought, well, we definitely think Blake's the better player, well, Looking at it right now, I'm not saying they regret it, but maybe they would have wanted to hold on to both because I, I think Knights look like they've got an absolute steal in, in Braley at this point in time. Mm, it's done his ACL. Yeah, well, said today, might be partially torn. So if that's the case, they they might try the route that mm. Lodge has gone where you do rehab for 12 weeks, but it's a risk because it, potentially it doesn't heal anyway. Um, but if you risk it and we're on hiatus for nine to ten weeks and he's good to go a week or two later... He'd be more susceptible to tearing it, but I think for them, Connor Watson is your natural replacement. You've got somebody there who's a spark plug who can go in and play that role. Um, their forward pack was very good. Jacob is starting to live up to the height that Daniel had put around him, having those two rotate along with Clemmer. The two-edge back rowers, Barney got an injury, but again, with this break now, he's probably going to be given some time to get healthy, and they're back five. Uh, highly underrated and particularly the yardage work of Heimel Hunt and Shibasaki they were both really really good as well yeah they were they were no, Newcastle looked good it's the reason why I had them in my fall and people well, I copped a little bit of flack for that but I just liked what I saw out of what he was building I liked the coach I'm not sure I don't know I just it's only a two game sample size obviously but yeah Tigers Warriors you know the reason the reason why I sort of had him in there is because I expected them to play this sort of style of footy, that's all. Yeah. And not, not to say that they'll end up top four, but I think they've proven that they're certainly capable of it. Yeah, well, no doubt. And again, like last year, I guess, if Origin was to be a factor, but at the moment it looks like even if it does get played at the end of the season, so it may not be, uh, if you're looking at it from a normal schedule point of view, they possibly could have lost Ponga, Pierce, Clemmer, Saifidi, and, and maybe one or two others, depending on form. So other than that... Yeah, there was a real chance that if they played this football in a normal calendar year, that top four would have been a possibility, no doubt. But yeah. good signs early. Uh, Warriors, Tigers, though, two teams, neither has had in the eight. Similar to what we said before about who the Titans have played or who Canberra's played. So 
hard to get a real gauge at the moment, but very, very positive signs from Newcastle, looking very sharp. Um, Pierce, excellent. The spine in general, like we said, Braley, Watson off the bench, Shibasakic, all those guys are good. For the Tigers, Twyla always works himself to a standstill, and Offaluma is their most damaging player, in my opinion, and uh, I think Billy Walters has acquitted himself pretty well in those two games. But oh, yeah, it's going well. Harry Grant's obviously there now. I, I dare say that, to be honest, I, I'd play Walters before Reynolds at the six, in my opinion. Mm. Um, you know, Reynolds had a moment or two, but defensively, I think he's poor. Whoever, whoever's not playing, you just play the other as the 14 anyway, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think Reynolds I'd probably put at the 14. I, I think as soon as Walters pushed out to six, he's a lot more direct. He was more threatening than Reynolds. I think defensively is a safer option. Um, I, I just think all around he was a guy I liked at Melbourne and thought he would have got more opportunities. He didn't. Uh, we've seen that before, like with the Drinkwater who obviously left. I, I, I'm looking at Drinkwater now, wishing he was still there as a half. But uh, I just think Walters might be the better option over Reynolds at this point in time moving forward if Harry Grant's there playing nine. But Joey Leilua, interesting couple of weeks, week or two ago, said you're looking at the best centre in the game, but I tell you what, on the weekend, he barely looked like a New South Wales Cup player, and that's why Canberra were happy to let him go. That's right. Yeah, he was ordinary. You don't pay that kind of money for somebody uh, when you get you know a 10 out of 10 one week and then a minus three the next. He was terrible. So uh, Madge certainly won't be happy, and they've got some work to do, in particular that right edge that we're worried about defensively. Oh, yeah. And the last game... Titans-Eels, 46-6. Look, uh, it's pretty hard to defend a team with a score like this, but I, I think you have to cut the Titans some slack. They come in it with injuries. Proctor pulls out. They have a slow start where Parramatta, I think, play exactly how they should have played the week before for the first 10 minutes, but then uh, more injuries strike. You guys have a reshuffle of your whole side, and the Titans just seem to hold on for 40 or so minutes there and, and were actually quite gritty, I thought, but in the end... And I, um... I didn't, I didn't see the game, so um, the young bloke got put in hospital on Sunday night, so I, I haven't seen the game. I saw the score, and then I thought, well, I'm not watching that game. So, um, yeah, the score line told me enough. Well, I can tell you, poor start, and then they solidified for 40, 50 minutes, but they lost three players. Uh, they defended their backsides off why they could, but it just all caught up with them. And then at the back end of the game, the floodgates opened. They just got rolled through. They couldn't hold the ball. When they got it back after defending for 10, 15 minutes, they made errors on play one and two. Uh, but, yeah, I think you finished with one on the bench. It definitely wasn't ideal. The, the biggest issue is still the self-inflicted things like 14 errors and penalties, etc. They certainly don't help themselves, that's for sure. But for Parramatta, the tries they got at the back end and how they played in the middle when they couldn't score on a broken Titan side was very disappointing. Uh the picture for them, and I hope Brad Arthur shows it moving forward. And again, we don't know how long it's going to be, but their first 10 minutes, they were direct. They were fast. They were playing wide. They were offloading the ball. They were just rolling straight down the field. And unlike what they did against the Bulldogs, they generated ruck speed, and then they played flat and fast with both halves off the back of it, and in particular Dylan Brown running. Looked very, very good. So he needs to take that 10 or 12 minutes at the start of the game, show that to him, and basically just ask why they can't do that for a full game, because... They lost their way for a big portion of that game, and the back end was more fatigue and injuries, I thought, that led yeah. to that scoreline. So for Holbrook, um, his press conference was pretty blunt, said as much that, you know, those things don't help, but the group still needs to be accountable for those things and the errors and penalties, and that's up to individual player concentration and what they're doing. But 
uh, yeah, uh, as much as things you'd like them to change, they stay the same at this at this point in time, unfortunately. Yeah, at this point in time, two games. Two games. So, there you go. That wraps up round two and where we stand at this point in time, Brock, until the uh, season recommences. But of any teams you thought about for your top eight, again, I know it's only two weeks, but, but if you had your top eight, is there anyone right now you're looking at thinking you wish you could swap them out? No. Happy with all of them? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I think I had Melbourne, South, uh, Roosters, Melbourne South, Roosters, Raiders, Eels, Panthers, Knights, and Broncos. So, no, I, I'm pretty comfortable with that top eight. Fair enough. Pretty comfortable with it. No one's really surprised me. Um, yeah, I, like I expected Manly and the Cowboys to be thereabouts, and they are. They're one and one. Tigers to be thereabouts, one and one. So, uh, you know, we expected Titans, Warriors, Dragons to struggle, and they have. So, look, I think it's been a pretty vanilla start, to be fair. Yeah, fair enough. I think, again, I put in Manly and the Cowboys, maybe over correcting on the Cowboys but they were both in the bottom half of my eight and I left out a Broncos because of the injuries and not knowing what Seabold was going to get and uh, obviously left out Newcastle given that last year they basically had the same side and they quit on their coach but there's been a massive correction there uh, they haven't played the two best teams and now we're going into a break so if I was going to change one or two those would be it but again uh, I don't know if in the long run the Cowboys don't develop into a better side. That'd probably be the one I'd take out at the moment because I think Manly under Des and all those guys now ended up being healthy that, that I'd probably trust Manly a little bit more, but it'd be probably one of those two teams in for the Cowboys after what I've seen. Yeah. But other than that, I, I think out of those 10 teams we've just mentioned, and those two are the only different, I think that's the group after two rounds, which again, it's hard to gauge, but they seem like the most likely. I think the Sharks will be up and down all year and competitive, but uh, a lot of change there. A lot of guys that are injury prone. I, I think it's going to be a rough year if it does continue for them. And that group of four or five we spoke of behind them, I, I don't see many of them pushing for the eight. That's for sure. No, no. They've probably been the best performed, like the Sharkies. They've, they've been the best performed side to be owned to. I, I think they've been, been more impressive in their losses than what probably all the Roosters have been. Um. But yeah, they're, they're the two that I look at and go, well, the, like the Roosters competed in both games, so did the Sharks. They could easily both be 2-0. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but otherwise, no, it's been, the, the comp hasn't really thrown up too many upsets or surprises, has it? No, nah, we're tipping, tipping this week. We both got seven. Last week, we both got six. And I think in our confidence pool where you tip eight to one, eight on the most confident and one or two on the least confident, Last week, I only lost my one. This week, I lost my two of my one. So if you're going off, yeah. like you said, what you think she most likely, so far, uh, you know, just about everything's been correct in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Gossip, he got six this week. So as things stand after two rounds, we're both on 13. He's on 11. Uh, some of these topics and questions here, like I said to you before, Brock, most of them relate into what we spoke about earlier. Some people have had a twist on it. So Sam Shepard... He's saying if the comp restarted again, your head coaches, what's your ultimate 17 or your squad of 30 if we run really low? That's one I talked about with last week that a lot of people have asked before that me and you picking 
a 17 to play head-to-head if we were drafting from the current comp. That's an option for us to do moving forward. He's saying you could do it from the current players or possibly all time. Uh, Jay Fleming's asking best and worst jerseys over the years. But there's a lot that relate more to what we've already spoke about. So Matty Ballantyne said, if the NRL goes broke, what will the new game look like? I guess that goes back to what you said, that we'd be sure there'd be a spin-off. There was a threat the other year from Nick Politis and some of the bigger owners that they would almost go into Super League 2.0 if this TV grant and the deal and uh, the club grant wasn't what it was. So I'd assume if things went broke, it'd get picked up in another format. I don't know how many teams and what it would look like, but... Uh, I definitely don't think rugby league will die. That's for sure. No, no, I tend to tend to agree. I don't think it'll die. No. Matty Ballantyne. I'm oh, sorry, I just said his one. Dylan Smith just brought up what I said. Is there any clubs do you think will? benefit from this postponement and he said the Roosters I'd probably agree with that one I think Newcastle won't be complaining now after picking up a couple of injuries on the weekend gives them a bit of time to assess the Braley situation the Barnett situation for the Broncos there's a couple of guys there as well they get a couple of weeks to get healthy yeah everyone's sort of got injuries there I don't think anyone will be really happy about it but uh, you know, there's probably a few there that go, look, we could, we could use this time uh, positively, that's for sure. And, you know, if you're not thinking that way, then it's going to be a dangerous period. Um, it, it's probably the sides that don't have many injuries that are going well, like, uh, you know, Penrith, I think, are one that, uh, you know, I think they've only got Edwards out, don't they, really? Did they lose any on the weekend? I don't think they lost anyone on the weekend. No, they're, so. waiting for, they're waiting for Kate Well, but they're surviving without him. Well, yeah, so there you go. Uh, young team, good momentum. So, no, look, I think every team's going to have some incentive and some things that they're going to get want to get right over this period. And if you've got, in the end, you've got to bite, like it's in your mouth now, you've got to chew it and swallow it. So, you've just got to utilise the time positively and get as much out of it as you possibly can. And, um, just see it as an extended pre-season I guess and an opportunity to, to correct some things and that you've seen in that small sample size of the competition so far over those two rounds Yep, got people here Jay Fleming, he asked about Fenua Blake's comments expecting his full wage etc well, the... yeah. even if the comps comments. called off, he's saying he's selfish or is he just out of touch with the rest of society well, out of touch, Yeah, completely out of touch I think a lot of people were a bit bothered by those comments last week. Yeah, and, from, it's, and it's a little bit of that entitlement mentality. Well, yep. I signed this and I deserve it. Well, okay. Well, but there's a lot of people in jobs who sign contracts, like myself, who, you know, if the principal comes and knocks on tomorrow and says, mate, the government's laid off temps and I'm without a job, I don't get paid. Simple as that. Yeah, well, I think... Because it's supply and demand, like I said earlier. That's simple economics. If there's not kids in classrooms that need to be taught, then there's no demand for teachers. Therefore, teachers get laid off. That's how it works. I'm going to go crying over spilled milk, and nor should the the, uh, the elite rugby league players. They've been very uh, fortunate throughout this period in, in the fact that they've been isolated and flown on private jets, and there's been a lot of, a lot of good things happen for them, and now, now they've just got to chew it a little bit like the rest of society have to. Yeah, well, I think the other thing as well, he's saying whether I'm injured or not, I get paid, and I was going to say, well, in the past, you have been paid and you have been injured a little bit, so... 
you know, yeah, that, mainly that come knocking on your door and taking off some of that money. We're taking back. the money back. You're saying, regardless whether I'm playing or not, I want my money. Well, you know. The shoe doesn't fit, does it? It's, it's give uh, or take. I just think, forget about rugby league. Like, it's just socially and from a self awareness perspective, just a dopey comment. Yeah. Cam Finlayson, do you reckon State of Origin after the end of the season is a good idea going forward? We've spoken about this multiple times. That... No, nah, not in a normal season, but this year we're just going to get it done. Yeah. Craig McQuillan, he's asking a question here that I think may be something for moving forward. He'd like us to discuss the role of the Rugby League Players Association and if they're actually positive or relative in the game. Well, I spoke to two or three players today. I'm hoping to actually get somebody on in the next few weeks and talk about, obviously, what's happening, but ask them about the RLPA because we don't hear a lot and get the perspective from the players about what they actually do. Do they have a big involvement? Do they have any pull? Like just you know, some sort of insight to how that all operates. What was that one? Sorry, I broke, broke up a little bit. The Rugby League Players Association and the role they play in the game if they are positive or relative uh, force. Yeah. I think they're a positive force. I don't know whether they're that rela- and I'm, relative. I was saying I've spoke to a few players today would like to get somebody on in the next couple of weeks just give them what's going on and they can give us an update but then ask about that side of things because obviously the RLPA's really only come to the forefront the last couple of years after seemingly not really being that visible. Uh, until this well, last TV yeah, deal. they push real hard to get these inflated salaries that the players have got. Yeah, so be shut, we can address. Uh, moving forward, Pat Crosby asking about insight into some of the community work that's done by some individuals. For example, his niece, his young bloke, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and whilst in the Jonah Honda Hospital, a few of the Knights players came in and made everyone's days. Something like this is a great example of the good that a lot of players do in different communities that goes unnoticed. They spend a whole. They spend an afternoon once a week within the, within the community. Every NRL club does. Yeah, and some more than others go above and beyond the order. Yeah, and, and out get, of their personal time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. There's so much good that happens. Like what Peter Vlandy said in terms of uh, the economic benefits and the benefits that rugby league has within the community was spot on. Couldn't agree with him more. Uh, there's a lot of things that go unnoticed and that a lot of people don't see and a lot of people don't like rugby league players and, you know, because of the behaviour from the 1% of the minority. But the fact and the reality is that they inspire and uh, they help a lot of, of people within the community, a lot of a lot of kids and children, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, they certainly do their bit to um, assist their, their community. So there's so much good that happens. So, so much good uh, the players do. So... They're, they're to be commended for that and unfortunately there's not an appetite for that to be um, as publicised and widely publicised as what the negative stuff is and that's the, unfortunately that's the society we live in It's the truth unfortunately uh, Dave Fleming he's brought up similar what we said before a three-parter thoughts on the longevity as the game currently operates how many teams do you think have genuine concern for their future and if you're in control of a replacement to the NRL, what would you look at doing differently? And I think we covered most of this, but as it currently operates, it's just it, it can't be sustained. The longevity we already see it right now, like you said, we, if we're in a, a position where if the game stops, we're basically screwed. Clearly, the model doesn't work. So it doesn't work. There's got to be a restructure as far as teams. Well, there's, moving, there's got to be a percentage that goes into the bank straight away. Yeah. Okay, so we get, for example, use a nice round number. Say say it's one billion dollars then 10% of that should go into the bank every time we get a broadcast deal. You know, whatever percent, okay, 40% goes to the players. This percent goes to grassroots. And then, you know, you work out what you can then do with that 
that budget for that period of time. And you work hard to do the best you can with that amount of money for that period of time. What, what I really think is, is something that I would change with this reset is fuck off third parties and say, listen, the salary cap's going to come down. Otherwise, it's going to be 8 mil. I, I reckon 8 million is sustainable, right? The NRL says we're going to give everyone 10 mil. Right, so they still get the two mil on top of on top of that. It, it cuts three mil out of the the budget that the NRL is giving each club per year. Times that by sixteen, there's fifty mil straight away in the skyrocket to the NRL per year. Do that over five years, we've got two hundred fifty mil in the bank, right? What what they need to then do is say to the players, you can earn as much money outside of your contract as you want with boot deals and sponsorship deals and whatever it is. You can earn as much wedge as you want, similar to what they do in the NBA. And then put the onus on the players to own their personal behaviour, own their personal brand, and earn as much fucking coin as they can outside of the game. I don't, I don't see why that's a problem. Yeah, well, I, I don't think there's as big an appetite for some of those sports, but no doubt some players would be much more likely to get those small deals or what is on offer here than what they would uh, if the club had to source them for them and it also takes away that bias like you're talking about with a few clubs that do have connections to make those deals happen, unlike others. If it was more an open yeah. slather and just businesses coming to players, players might make decisions more based around going to a good club or going to a coach, etc., rather than a few of the clubs that have a bit more pulling power been able to entice those players. Yeah, just get rid of third parties. I think they're ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and if control of the what would we look at doing differently? Well, I, I, when you talk about the teams, sorry, that was the other thing. Um, I think again, you want the sixteen teams. If anything, you want to keep growing. We're not looking yeah, to shrink. I'd, I'd like them in in the two conferences of eight. Yeah, I, so um, I don't like the conferences. And I would like I would like them to play. Uh, you play your own conference home and away, and you play the other conference once. And on a home and away basis over a two-year period. So if you play, if for example the Titans and the Storm are in a different conferences, one year Titans will play Storm at home, the next year they'll play um, away. So that'll give you, I think that gives you twenty-one games. No, twenty-two games. That'll give us throw two buys in there. There's your twenty-four. If you want to have your two buys, I'd just have I'd have stop weekends. I'd, I'd have standalone Origin. 22 rounds. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I like that model. I, I would then say that you have top four within um, each conference. Uh, and then you have like a Super Bowl. You, you play, you, you have your Sydney, all Sydney final. Uh, and then you work out your conferences however you want, geographically or, or you know, regionally or however they want to do it. Um, but I, I think then you get, you know, like your NFC, AFC championship game. East and West Conference Championship, like you do in the NBA, you essentially get three grand finals within, yeah, within a true. season. So I don't buy that model. Not here. We're not the same country. We don't have the same demographic. Yeah, so I, th- I think it'll work, but, and I think now's a good time to do it. Uh, but look, if they're going to roll with the competition as it is now, I think it sucks because there's there's no uh, balance to the competition because not everyone plays everyone twice. Well, that's uh, more the point I was going for in our situation. You know, you look at look at the Titans draw at the moment. Like I think we play um, six top eight sides from last year straight off the, straight off the bat. But yet our draw is supposed to be easier because we finished last. Like in the in the NFL, you get scheduled based on where you finished the year before to yeah, try and make sure it's, it's still it's made. You still made in a, more you, even. You could still be in a division though, like you know. 
understand yeah. that, but yeah. you still, whether you like it or not, they they then play a fourth place schedule. Yeah, but you still may be so in a division where you can't get matter. out of it. Yeah, I get that. And, and this this would be the same in the fact that if you're in a conference where there's stronger teams, I, I, I don't buy that. I think if you're a good enough team, you've, you've got to beat the teams within your conference or your division anyway. It doesn't matter. But no, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just think we need to modernise what we're doing. Uh, the competition's been... I always find it pretty predictable. You know, you, you look again this week uh, through the first two rounds... The fact that we can sort of go six and seven out of eight without tipping. Uh, the fact that, you know, I, I just said to you then, I wouldn't change anyone in my top eight through two weeks. Probably tells you that for people that sort of know the game a little bit and have followed the game for years and years and years, you, you can just get an eye for who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. Whereas, you know, I think there's more unpredictability and room to improve faster in sports who structure themselves a little bit differently and you know I'd like to see us uh, have free agency and trading and drafts and things like that like, it's the perfect time to reset and implement all that um, anyway I, I just I don't know I, I think we've still got too many people within the game with self-interest and uh, factions and they'll worry about individuality and themselves and look inward not outward what's best for the game so Hopefully, if anything, this, this period teaches us that we're stronger by helping each other and trying to make the whole product better because in the end, like, the money's going to get slashed, so we're going to have to do some degree of uh, recovery. And I think we could do some recovery and attract new people to the game if we just change change things up a little, made it more attractive, made it more watchable, did things a little bit differently. So. Yeah, and I agree with you on some parts, but I just, again, think for our model and our setup, I don't know if a lot of the US stuff translates here. I think. No, it's not so much to have it the same as the US. No, nah, but the whole conference system and some I of those things. I think it'll work because then you'd have, you'd have a Sydney grand final, you'd have a regional grand final, you'd build more rivalry that way. I, I don't know. I still think. Well, that's just my opinion. We do need to expand, but in the right way. And something like this, again, is going to probably hinder expansion, but we call ourselves the National Rugby League. Another team in Brisbane is a master WA team. Those kind of things and getting more. Well, you, can throw, you can throw the whole uh, the the expansion. Throw that in the bin now. Yeah, well, it's definitely it's going to be stopped by this. And Eddie Tan was our next one. He brought up similar about the state conferences that you just talked of before the no, close. No, I wouldn't have them. I wouldn't have them necessarily state conferences. Uh, he, he's saying because of the closure to say oh, that yeah, if okay. they resumed that idea, which they're floated to have Brisbane Cowboys, Titans, Canberra, Melbourne, New Zealand, etc. All above to do it that way, you'd have to have it regionally. You'd, you'd have to have divisions like they do in the NFL. Now, he means only like, for this year because that's what they were talking about doing. Oh, yeah, I, I think this year. Whatever whatever uh, structure and format enables the competition to, get games to go done. ahead and to get, to get us pump out as many games as we can, you do it. Yeah, and then his second part was for you as a Titans fan. He's... He's also a Titans fan. He's wondering, do you wish as much as he does that Jared Wallace is the one heading to South City next year and not Jai Arrow? His discipline with and without the ball throughout 2019 and the first two games this year has been so poor. He hates watching him play football at the moment. Yeah, frustrating to watch. He got dropped from the Queensland side. Um, He threatened to leave the Titans, I think, before we re-signed him. He wanted to go back to Brisbane. They should have let him go to Brisbane. 
it's, it's never a good sign when someone says, I'd rather be somewhere else. I would, I would have let him walk at that point in time. Well, not even let him walk. I would have just said, look, you're not the type of guy we want in our organisation when you're making comments like that because it just tells me that it's more about you and what you want and how you feel. And it is about the club and the team. So. Yeah. Adam Bain says, again, he's been listening for years while he's been over in the States. Thanks a lot, champion. He's one of the long-time listeners and a mad NFL fan like we are. Things are crazy over here. He says, what about a Spotify fifth and last playlist to do a home workout created by you blokes? And what songs you would listen to? Yeah, see, that's, that's, well, that's, that's good. That, that, we could chew on that for 20 minutes. Oh, he's saying actually create one on Spotify for the listeners. So. Oh, yeah, good. I think we'd have very different playlists, man, you, I think. Yeah, I think we probably would. We do like similar music, but as far as what we'd listen to in the gym, I think we might be on different ends of the, of the spectrum. Don't know. No, I don't. I don't hit the gym a lot. I, I run on the road. That's generally how I get my my uh, exercise. Yeah, I, I'd prefer to lift than run, but there's different reasons for that. But yeah. uh, Tyler James, pretty simple one. Do you think players are overpaid? Well, again, do I think the cap inflation and, and, and the grant that we've already spoke about is too much? Yes. Are they overpaid? Well, they're worth what someone's willing to pay them, like we said before, given the circumstance. But definitely the cap. And uh, the grant to the clubs is going to get reeled back in as a result of what's going on. So I do think the salary cap's too much, but they deserve whatever the you know, the clubs are willing to pay them. They negotiated it. So, and everyone agreed to it. So Not their fault. No, play on. Shane McAuliffe says, how about following the supercars lead and play the game online? So I'm not sure about the supercars, in all honesty. I no, I don't follow that. What, what does that mean? I don't know. I play the games online. I don't know if he means have everything through subscription or on online services, except I, I don't know how that works. For supercars, I guess they could probably self-isolate a little bit more because it's one person in a car, uh, if that's what you're getting at. But I don't even know the circumstances around the supercars. I'm sorry, Shane, but uh, regardless at the moment, they can't move around. They can't get in the state, so we're a bit hindered. Uh, even if there was a way to broadcast the games, or I don't know, you might need to give us a little bit more information on what you're talking about there. Jackson Maslin says about new concepts for later this year: a one-off Origin, an Origin Super Series that includes Queensland, New South Wales, Tonga, and New Zealand. The game's going to need some content that can bring in bigger revenue that broadcasters might want to pay big for. Uh, I think Origin on its own is the biggest thing, and takes three of the top five spots on normal TV every single year, so I don't think they'd really need to revamp the concept or do a whole lot, and after being starved of football for a couple of months, I think it would sell itself. I think the biggest issue for the three Origin games is they'll get the TV money, but they generate close to 50-plus million a year with the crowds and everything else that comes with it, so if the six-month lockdown, as far as crowds still being in, is concerned, they're not going to make their full freight off Origin either. Nah. I think that's a bigger issue at the moment. But I don't think we need to get crazy and have New Zealand play against New South Wales or Tonga or anything like that. And to be fair, I still think the two origin teams would probably beat both of those sides. But, um, yeah, I just think in general it's more important that we do get through the comp and we do get the three origin games out. And There's three things every year I love. It's generally the two origin games we get to go to, especially if they're in New South Wales or possibly travelling fine and going to the grand final and, and at the moment all those things are at threat yeah. Uh, yeah. But look if we lose them because of this um, can't do much about it no it's one year uh, yeah 
Yeah. I just wish the game was in a better financial position. Yeah, 100%. So that we didn't really have to stress about trying to get these games in. And um, I heard some conversations with some guys at work today were sort of saying, you know, whoever wins this comp will always have, um, uh, you know, it'll be in brackets that it was the coronavirus year. I, I sort of thought this is going to be the most difficult season for anyone to navigate and win. <clears throat> whoever wins at the end of this is deserves a huge pat on the back because they're going to have to, you know, do things very, very differently to what they would have um, thought there, how they would have to navigate this season when they kicked off in November. Like, you know, when we when we started training in November, if you said to me that we would have got five games in and the season would have been called off because of a worldwide pandemic virus, I would have laughed at you. Yeah, well, no one saw this coming. There's no doubt about it. Um, and not disrespectfully, it just certainly wasn't on our radar. So, no. you know, NRL teams are, are exactly the same. And this is why you never begin with the end in mind. No. You just begin with trying to do your best day-to-day, week-to-week, and build and build and build, and just you you sort of got to dodge your way through circumstances that are dished up each week and um, try and be a better version of, your, of yourself and better version as a team day-to-day, week-to-week. And as cliche as that sounds... There's a good reason for it because it gives you a really short, narrow focus and simple goals and improvements for each day. So that's why you know, I think it'll be fairly easy for teams to just jump into this little period they're going to have now. You know, they're going to have to train at home, but players are professionals. They know what they've got to do. Um, and they'll either do it or they won't. If they don't do it, they're not going to be ready once this comp gets going again. Yeah, well, again, at the moment, we don't know how long and whatnot, but it's in the players and the club's hands of what they do from this point until things that's kick right. off again. So. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But Sammy Bashford and a couple of people have brought up for us top ten games of the last decade to rewatch to fight off some of the boredom. Jake Morn has similar, uh, similar, a rewatchable seg- segment similar to what we have on one of the podcasts we like to listen to of Bill Simmons, where we watch some good games that have happened, maybe run through them tactically or mistakes that teams have made, basically like our game companions and talking about the climate of the game at the time it was played. And what happened during the game, why this happened, how a player had a stroke of genius, I made a mistake, etc. So similar to our game companions, but just for some older stuff, I'm pretty sure there was a couple others in there. Donald uh, Flame says similar. He'd love to hear us do some game companions of classic games or some of the old grand finals like 89, the 04, the 2015 grand final. Um, Jay Smith, possibly look, look at decades of rugby league different decades, the players, rule changes, teams, major history, parts of the game like the Super League debacle in the 90s or the start of State of Origin. There's plenty of good topics here from people. Kevin McCormick, probably on a more present thing, says, do we know the current status of the TV rights? When does it expire and how much was it worth? And if we're in control, how would you allocate? Well, I think you covered before about allocating the funds, but as far as when this expires, is this the last year of the TV deal? Uh, no, I think next year's the end of the TV deal. And it was about $2 billion or something, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, it's, I don't think it matters. It's, the fact of the matter is the cost structure is not correct. So a realignment, hopefully we can get all the money that's owed and then negotiate something as close to what we're, we're at at the, at the moment uh, and then make sure that we're viable moving forward. I'm just trying to find it because I can't remember. I thought, it was one, I thought it was one billion. 
It's one point eight. She's a billion. One point eight billion, seventy percent higher. And, and and we don't have a dime. Work that out. What's this? Oh, the agreement. Many of the changes in the schedule will start two years. I'm trying to figure out whether this is the last one or the one before that. It doesn't say how many years. I thought the last one was two bill, but this looks like it's saying that. 20... Yeah, that might have been. That might have been with the rights thrown in on top of it. The. Um... That was 2015, so I think it was a five-year deal. I'm pretty sure this is the last year of the TV deal. Okay. But again, that's just googling quickly how it all works. But from memory, it was close to two billion over that uh, period of time, five years. So I think we are coming into the last year. So it says here the governing body. Oh, sorry. Well, this is only written last year. I think two years into a five-year deal, so it was redone at two billion dollars. So 2019, two years in. This is three. So there's probably two years left on top. Like nobody knows what it's going to look like moving forward. Obviously, with the change of the digital media side of things and the how things are working and now something like this on top of it but um, I think as far as allocating the funds what you said before we do the main thing when does it expire if this is year three or five or there's two more years to go and how much would it be worth that means there'd still be 800 million left over but more presently at the moment is how they fulfil this year and keep the money coming in yeah that's right and with the two years after Kev I guess for the, if we do get through this the next two years like Brock said they need to allocate some of that to be banked immediately and obviously there's going to be some scale back, whether that be club grants, salary cap, and then also just at the NRL level to make sure we do start putting away some money. And this future investment board that Nick Politis is on and said a couple of weeks ago when they were trying to buy things that maybe we should hold on because shit might hit the fan, he was definitely right about that. But smarter people like him definitely need to be in control of a board like that or investments moving forward because you can only yeah. see how good he's doing in life and the Roosters. Um, yeah. We need people like that instructing or helping out with someone like Volandis to take us forward. Mm. Uh, A couple of others here. Mark Lafferty brings up basically what we said. If there's anyone that was likely to fold, if they couldn't hold on, uh, I think we've only mentioned those few, some of those smaller clubs. uh, If Crowell had cash flow issues, which I don't think they're going to have a problem with, Manly's, etc. I think at the end of the day, basically what we said, I I think there'd be private owners that would would be willing to come along, uh, resuscitate a club or buy the rights to a club and put some money in. But obviously that would all come down to everything going back to normal, the TV deal being in place, still being some money from the NRL. But I'm sure if a club fell over, there'd be a couple of people interested in a few of those clubs that may be a threat. But your top dogs, like your Broncos, your Storms, I know the Bulldogs have got a club closed at the moment, the Raiders, Storm, um, Panthers, etc. They're not going to run out of money. All those ones, they're going to survive. There may be a few small ones. The Tigers, I don't know their financial situation. But there's a few smaller clubs that I think would have more cash flow issues than the top end. And if anyone was in doubt, uh, I I think, again, like Brock said, there's enough passionate people lurking in the shadows that I think they would buy low and, you know, ride the wave if they had to. I'm not really worried in that sense of things for a lot of clubs. Um, George Shembury is asking, what's the minimum amount of rounds they need to have a competition? I'm assuming from what they announced today that it was the 15 games, so everyone at least plays each other once but again the minimum rounds for it to count everyone play each other once they would still get less of the TV rights deal there's no doubt about that because they haven't played and fulfilled the full contract and then he says here the way Fox is struggling the next right deal is going to be nowhere near the current in his opinion the game's in for a rough few years better off clubs and best cap managers will be the ones to survive Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? What do you think? 
I think, like I said today, I think Foxtel was struggling in general, not because of sport, just that the landscape's changed. You've got Stan, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got so many other platforms where I think Fox in general has lost some of its money that it would have been putting into buying some of these TV rights. Um, some sports are going to other platforms and their content's been stripped away. I think something like Rugby League, now more than ever for their platform, probably would be more valuable because they've lost so many things. But as far as what they pay for it, uh, I don't know if they'd be able to pay the same money again. Mm. But they've lost the APL. Rugby Union's virtually dead and they're going to Optus or something else. Like There's, there's so many things. There's all these digital platforms. I, I don't think digital is the best way forward for the NRL. I think they started ahead in that direction, but, you know, a lot of people still, I think, like watching it TV at home. I don't like watching my footy on a phone or a laptop or other bits and pieces. I like coming home on Super Saturday and sitting in front of the telly. But I, I think of some of the sports they've lost and moving forward with all these other platforms taking away from their business in general, not just sport, that the football will be valuable to Foxtel, but as far as a monetary value, I don't know what monetary value you could place on it at this point in time. I really don't. And this whole economic crisis we're going through right now is going to have an effect on that as well, not just the sports and Foxtel. Yeah. So I think that, that's a bit of an open one. That we're, we're too far away to predict at this point in time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've basically covered almost everything that people have typed to us, but uh, I think the last couple here, Hugh Laws says that him and his missus managed to get married last Saturday. We're very lucky, mate, considering what's going on, and I've had two mates rescheduled their weddings due to this. He said it's a crazy time, but it was the best day of his life. He hopes we stay safe, and he's looking forward to the podcast. Much appreciated. And Brett Sims says, great opportunity for the game to get back to the supporters of the game, the player payments, the club standing by themselves, no wrestling, make the game better for viewing and everyone to watch. Uh, and the last one I think I already had before was Sam Shepard, just hypothetical about us picking those 17. So in the next few weeks, we'll obviously come up with some ideas between us, Brock. Everyone can keep sending some stuff in about what you'd like as yeah. far as content for a show or bits and pieces. Somebody, I'm pretty sure I saw it earlier, it's not on here now for some reason, uh, asked about tactics from our coaching point of view as far as like positions and if you know how we coach and what you expect out of every single role at this point in time. And if you're building a club, like there, there were some really good in-depth ones for some reason. I don't know what it is now. Facebook hides some things for some bloody reason. You have to change it from newest comments and most recent and all this kind of stuff. I found it now. It says, for us new to the game, explain the role of each position, 1 to 13, tactics for the whole deal. All those who grew up with the game might get bored. However, I'm sure you could spin it in some technical, contemporary way to keep the meat at it happy. Yeah, we've got a little bit there that we can... We've got some stuff to work with. As far as people asking about games to go back and watch, we'll have to have a look this week about some games off the top of my head. A few of those grand finals that people mentioned, the 2015 grand final was a good game of footy. I think a lot of the origin from like the early 2000s, the end of the 90s there, I really, really enjoyed. It was just a different style of football. And just about any of the classic NRL games, I'm sure they'll get some of those reruns there. I was pretty young at the time, but I, I like to watch just some of the classic games from the early 90s now and just see the difference in the way the footy was played. And all that kind of stuff. There'll be some games that'll come to mind or I'll, I'll have a think about the next week, and I'm sure you will be able to as well for people to go back and watch. But off the top of my head right now, some of those classic rugby league games are some corkers. Yeah. But 
small businesses. Uh, obviously, first and foremost, massive shout out to our major sponsor, and they've been with us for a couple of years now. Penrith Solar Centre, Jake and the crew there. Uh, like everybody, businesses affected them, but soldiering on. Uh, if you're in the position where that's something you're looking at doing, and you know moving forward, there are small business in our area. There is no one better. Make sure you get on board with Penrith Solar Centre, com dot au or give them a call on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season uh we really really do appreciate their support like i said we have another sponsor more than likely coming on board um and then in the inbox we've got people again just giving us some more ideas uh we had a couple others about people pr- promoting they're small businesses. John Quinn says, be proud. Good work promoting some small businesses. If you've got anything, mate, let us know or you need some help. Uh, there was one that we got from, I'm pretty sure it was Daniel Brett, and I haven't replied to him yet, but I'll get back to you soon. He was saying about small businesses and people getting in touch that can legitimately benefit from this point in time. He runs a web design agency with his brother up in Brisbane called My Work. Uh, like most businesses right now, they're feeling the effects because the core of their customers are small to medium-sized businesses, which you can understand when people don't have money and they're not getting money coming in. They're not really advertising, but much like them, he's on hold due to this uncertainty, but uh, he's hoping that they can be fully productive from home even though they're, people are quarantined at this time and try and help some of these small to medium businesses who aren't thinking about investing in their digital presence and website, so they're trying to come up with a way at the moment to keep some money coming in by cutting prices and helping customers generally weather this period. So uh, they're trying to campaign to help Aussie businesses through this time, in essence for things being slower, and try and get them some presence, some more marketing, some more traffic while they're still operating and find them some customers, not just through traditional pipelines. So... They're ready to make some changes and discount their Google marketing solutions by up to 50%, discount annual hosting renewals uh, for new and existing customers, discount copywriting and branding services, etc. all those things that I really don't know about, but stimulate growth and opportunities for those businesses. So if you're out there and you're interested, I'll post that up later on, but mywork.com.au, helping, uh, sorry, forward slash helping dash Aussie dash businesses. Uh, they're, they're just trying to help out. They're a small business as well, so... I guess if you're looking to advertise and you need a bit of help, they're willing to lend a hand at this point in time, much like many, many others. And uh, We had some listeners last week as well, Brock, just offer if you were struggling for nappies or other bits and pieces that they were willing to buy stuff and hold it for you. So there's some really, there's some really, really good people. So. Um, I spent, what day? We called it Tuesday last week. Yeah, Wednesday I spent. Uh, about five hours scowling and going from chemists and supermarkets and etc 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 and we got I think we got three tins of formula and then Sunday night the little fella um, held up all his feeds and now they're probably going to take him off that formula so um, he's got a bit of reflux the young fella so he spent the last last two nights in hospital trying to make sure there's nothing too serious wrong with him but um yeah, you would just you get through it, don't you? You just that's having kids. There's never a predictable day. So um, yeah, but the people who were offering nappies and um, formula and whole stuff like massive, massively appreciated. Um, we're okay at the moment. I just think you know the less these knuckleheads and like I said last week, 
continue with that selfish buying and the mentality where you're just going to look after yourself and leave nothing for anyone else. Um, you know, the supermarkets are all saying that they've got more than enough stock. Well, they've got normal levels of stock. It's just that people are shopping abnormally. That's what's causing, you know, the shortages. And I see a lot of um, a lot of people sort of getting cranky with the supermarkets, but, you know, they can only um, supply to a certain extent of demand. So especially now that they're laying people off and, you know, less people are working, and, you know, there's people with risk factors who are unable to work. So it's a difficult period for them to navigate, especially with the higher demand and probably less options available or, or, or a smaller workforce. So uh, there's, there's plenty of stuff going on. But, yeah, be kind to people, help people out. I said that last week, you can help one person out each day. You, um, you know, it makes me feel good, like helping people out. So, uh, but, yeah, all the, all the people who offered, much appreciated. Yeah, and everybody out there again, if we can help in any way, if we can plug your business, uh, if it's just the content, if you've got any questions, if you're isolated at the moment, anyone, feel free, send us an inbox, ask a question. We'll try and come up with some ideas, like I said, the next few weeks. If you've got any ideas, keep pumping them through. And, uh, we'll yeah, keep... we're going we're to pump some content out. Don't worry about that. We'll keep if, it coming. If anything, um, our, we're going to go into overdrive. Um, we're, gonna, we're probably going to have a little bit more time between ourselves. Uh, you know, with less work going on, I suppose, and, um, you know, less things on TV and less things sort of take up time. So we uh, we enjoy doing it. You guys enjoy listening to it. So we're going to ramp up our uh, productivity. Yep. And I should definitely be able to come up with a few things, seeing as I'm isolated right now. Yeah. Which is, I didn't explain at the start, but uh, we're on the phone again because last week you were a crook, but obviously not, uh, obviously with... <laughs> the old COVID-19, but I've no. unfortunately come into contact with two different people that have been in cases of a positive person and one's now been tested. So I've been isolated during to the heightened sense of things right now. I'm, I think, how many days in? Like four or five days in of a two-week yeah. isolation. So I've got a little bit of time on my hands. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, you do. That's right. So I'll be looking. If you got a question or you want to chat, feel free. Because this is, if there's ever a time I'm going to apply with that work, footing, coaching, all that bits and pieces going on, I've definitely got the time now. <laughs> so far away. There you go. But for this week, Brock, uh, a little bit all enjoy, over the joint. Enjoy your week and don't enjoy rugby because it's not. Oh well, again, it was, it's a bit disjointed. But what do you do? Everything's come to a halt. We've covered a lot of shit that again we're, we're learning about as we go. The virus, everything that's happening with the game in society. We know the AFL, the A League. I think we've pulled out of the Olympics now, as well. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. So it's yeah, this is huge. And I, I tell you what. God bless the bookies. They were that desperate yesterday because there's nothing on that you could bet overs unders for what the temperature was going to be in Perth and Darwin. How good. They just try to find a way to keep going, don't they? I know the boys at the boys at um, school were talking about you know over under how many kids are going to attend. Like, the people are just going crazy. I'll I mean, tell you what. I hope the I races. Like the I hope the races continue. I know with the travel bans at some horses or trainers maybe stuck at certain tracks and I don't know how that works and if meets will go ahead but if they take that away that's the last thing I've got at the moment yeah and it's a good time of the year so, for horse racing I don't know how that will work for the slipper in the next week or so probably no one will be able to attend but are they able to get the no, horses slipper, slipper's run and done it was on Saturday oh there you go I thought that was fucking this weekend so you idiot no clue good times 
one and run, mate, but the championships are coming up, so at Randwick. Um, yeah, strange old day on the weekend watching the races, watching Gold Slip today, and there's no one there, so mm. interesting. Well, again, there'll be some tricks the next few weeks as far as transporting and getting across borders if anyone needs to, so I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm sure the racing... Uh, the racing organisations will find a way to keep meets going and even if they have to reset cards and there might be some horses running with other horses they're not supposed to I don't know but I'm sure there'll be some meetings still maybe just smaller fields who knows it's probably the last thing going worldwide besides esports which nobody really knows anything about well the biggest concern is not the horses it's the jockeys yeah exactly Uh, because they can transmit it so yeah I don't know don't know well, there you go. It's been a weird old week. Uh, we'll we'll be back with some more stuff. But again, as we said before, take care of yourselves, each other, your families. If you can help somebody out, do so. If there's any way we can help, let us know. Hit us up in the inbox. Keep giving us ideas. And if you're a small business, like we just did then, uh, for one or two that have inboxed us, feel free. Get in touch with us. More than happy to put a post up and plug. Our old man, as you probably saw the Penrith Party High post, uh, is feeling the pinch just like anybody else. It's getting harder and harder for him with things ramping up. But if you do have an issue or an event that needs to go ahead and has to be outdoors where the rules are a little bit more looser, get on to Penrith Party High uh, and speak to our old man about that. But just in general... Well, yeah, even if it's even if it's an indoor function, uh, Easter lunch and Easter dinner, um, you know, a slushy machine, an apocalypse party, whatever it is, you know, he'll, uh, he'll accommodate it. Yeah. Um, but for everyone in general, in your communities... If you're restaurants, I've got a lot of mates in the hospitality industry that are hurting here. Uh, you know, it's hard with money at this point in time, but try to support them if you can. Buy a coffee local, buy a dinner local if you have to. Like, just try and help out whoever you can in your local community. Yeah, exactly right. Keep money local, keep it in small business. Don't give it to fucking, you know, a chain or Woolies or one of these bastards where you don't have to, if you can possibly do it, help out those around you. Yeah, correct. But there you go. How we move forward, we don't know, but we'll be coming up with some content. We're going to move forward. There'll be plenty of podcasts. There'll be plenty of different stuff. We'll take on board everything you've given to us. But for now, like Brock said, enjoy your week. But unfortunately, you can't enjoy any rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.